Hello everybody, welcome to the World of Brick Films podcast, I am your host, William of AW Studios. Joining with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Sean Willis of City Panther. I think I'm starting to lose count of how many Brawl episodes we've done by now. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think, is it like, I don't know if this is our fourth one or... I think it must be. Yeah, wow. Yeah, as many as you've had years, I'd imagine. <laughs> but yeah, so a special guest today is Joko, the second place winner of Brawl 2021. Hello, the internet, I guess. <laughs> Hello, and congratulations. Uh, thank you. Congratulations to you, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, uh, it's quite funny because, like... Yeah, it's almost as if you've become the, the guest on your own podcast. Yeah, it's, it is quite weird. Had to settle for second place instead. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I can't invite the winner this time. <laughs> but no, um, great to have you with us. Um, you know, right off the bat, I really... I love, like, the style you have in your films, Um there's been a few films now. I think it was your Brawl 2020 entry, Cave Eleventh Place, and um, the that kind of like one shot uh, brick film you did, where it was kind of like um, you know like through the years. I thought that was a really cool film. Ah oh, yes, uh, Age of Amber. Ah, that was a lot of work. That was. <laughs> yeah, so we we usually only just talk about like the top ten, like in depth. So, um, but I did really, I did really love. Um, that film from from last year so it's great to see you kind of move all the way up to number two that's that's really cool i think it surprises me more than anyone else to be honest <laughs> well yeah you know it feels like your films are always kind of pushing the boundaries a bit there are a slightly different style than what other people are making like you did the cliff didn't you a while back. oh i did yes yeah i think i i saw that you know i wasn't really familiar with you at the time but, but that was very interesting in style and also that brick uh 3024 recently enough yeah so yeah that one came out of me only having access to that one minifigure and uh and the brick he was working with mm. yeah, and, was, uh, yeah well actually... you know i looked around the room went oh there's a mirror there and uh well there we go an idea was born oftentimes limitations can yeah create the more interesting stuff like that but uh, i mean in in that one with some of the stuff with the mirror like i was looking at it and i was kind of thinking like i'm not even sure how how this all works like how, where are the seams or where does one element begin and one ends like is, is there editing or is it all in camera there was quite a lot of masking in that video uh, i spent longer on the edit than i did on the, the actual filming of it but I, I mean i could have spent less time if i just thought out some of the bits a bit more it really didn't need all that much uh, if i'd planned it entirely <laughs> in advance i just um you actually just reminded me then Penta, uh, that, that you did um the uh, the cliff um, a couple of years ago for Zach and I remember at the time being really impressed by that it was just a really kind of um, it really just stood out quite you know quite a unique film um, and um, yeah actually for, I actually forgot that you actually made that one actually <laughs> yeah that was I remember really liking that when it came out it, yeah that was my my first Zach entry wasn't it so it reminded it me of uh, Worms the old game. I don't know if you ever played that. Well, yes. Uh, it's actually based on an old Flash animation. Uh, I, I don't know if either of you have seen the original The Cliff. Uh, so, basically, I, I took that concept of just lots of random people with random silly weapons and, and such like trying to get either side of the cliff. Oh, yeah. And uh, chaos ensues. I suppose the, maybe the original was inspired by some video games like Worms or other, other things similar. I wouldn't be surprised, to be yeah. honest. It's, uh, it's being a Flash of... animation, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they're always heavy on the uh, the old copyright. <laughs> but I was just thinking again, like 
basically a lot of your stuff it would fit perfectly in the uh, the current summer contest on Bricks and Motion manifest and uh, I believe you're working on something for that is that right? I am yes and uh, well for the first time my brother who obviously I'm Jay from JOK and he's O from JOK uh, he's normally just doing a bit of voice acting stuff but this time he's doing a little bit of the animating as well so that'll be that'll be quite fun to see to be honest. Very nice. Yeah I actually saw um, a, sh- a short clip that he did on on Discord. Yeah, actually, I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the entries um, from from Manifest. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, it should be a very interesting contest with a, well, the, the whole idea of breaking boundaries and coming up with new things. Uh, it looks like you're using real fire at some point. Oh, yes, that as well. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Uh, don't try this at home. Just a <laughs> massive disclaimer there. I, I did vaguely know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, did that, did that all go according to plan or are there any uh, funny stories there? Well, you see, the funny thing was, I only recently bought the uh, DSLR, and I'm still giving that a test, to be honest. And this is my first real attempt at uh, recording footage on it live. And for the life of me, I could not work out how to uh, change the exposure properly in the, the video. It was fighting back against me. The, the only one setting I was allowed to change was, um, uh, it's, it's like the frame time or something. But yeah, no, that didn't have any effect on it at all. Uh, so. It's going to be a bit of, bit of an edit to uh, make the, the footage match the animation which it's going to be sitting within. Uh, but hopefully it'll look quite cool. Yeah, I, I, I had a similar problem um, trying to do a live action shot with the DSLR. And I think I, uh, I think I had to crank the ISO, which made the shot a bit grainier than all the other shots. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I would have thought that having like using vintage lenses rather than automatic lenses would... Um, actually, no, maybe that was the problem. <laughs> Well, I guess with a vintage lens, you, you know what it's set to. It's not going to have any digi- digital sort of uh, strange effects going on. Well, that's what I would have thought. I would have thought I'd be able to, to, you know, open the aperture to get more, get the shot as bright as the other shots. But I don't know. I was, I was having a lot of trouble with that. And I just kind of had to accept that the one shot was just a bit grainier. Yeah. I mean, when YouTube compression is factored <laughs> into it, I, I'm sure no one's really going to be able to notice, to be honest. That's the thing. Yeah. That's another thing that kind of makes me miss using a webcam. <laughs> You could just switch it over to video and it would look the exact same. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've not given <laughs> up on the webcam just yet. Yeah. It's definitely got its uses. For sure, especially your, your style seems to be uh, heavily webcam focused. I mean, the moving camera. Well, yeah, well, with this latest Brawl entry, I, I did that entirely with the uh, the DSLR. I was just trying to see how much I could manage the, the whole camera movement with that. And I think it worked out all right. So what was the setup for moving the camera? Because it certainly looks unlike other brick films with a moving DSLR. That's probably because it's uh, a bit haphazard, to be honest. I, I had it set on the tripod the whole time, and I, I had to shift the tripod around a little bit. And for uh, a few shots in the hot air balloon, I was actually raising it up slightly and lowering it down this frame by frame just to, to give it a bit of a, a bob to it. Mm. So a lot of manual camera movement on the, the tripod. Uh, so I'm guessing you must have a, a good tripod then, where you can move everything and it stays relatively steady. Yeah, fortunately, it's actually uh, turned out really quite well. Because I, I feel like yeah. moving the entire tripod, I, I just, I don't know, I, I could only imagine that, like, being super inconsistent and I'd get hung up on trying to, you know, make it look, get it, you know, shifted over an inch or two, or it, it sounds like... Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely say there's there a bit of that going on, but with the whole one-week deadline, especially, I didn't have a full <laughs> week to work on it, the, the days I was available, I was just like, I have to get this done. And, uh, well, if you look really closely, by the end of it, I I did cut back a bit on the the camera movement just to try and get it finished in time. Hmm. But uh, the the previous Johnny Thunder film, or the the one for Thack, was that done with a webcam? Uh, Yes, yes, that was entirely webcam, that one. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like all of those. I wasn't used enough to the, the DSLR to, <laughs> to try it out for a whole 24-hour period. Shots where the camera is following a character through a room. Yeah. You know, those, those stand out in brick films, I think. Oh, you know, it's like really tight and closed space. And this character's moving. My yeah. one regret with that uh, back entry was, was when it has a big pan around him in the, the future setting. And uh, well, I just end up going by way too fast. And for most people, mm-hmm. they won't be able to see that this massive set that I've managed to put together. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they'll just go, whoa, 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 Johnny Thunder <laughs> spinning around him. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think it's cool to, to make a big set and then just kind of breeze past it. <laughs> like Yeah, for that one, I was, I was lucky enough to have the help of uh, my brother again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that yeah. must have been built beforehand. Yeah, I've I built it from diff- different scraps and stuff that I already had together, and he helped me out. So hopefully no one considers it cheating, but I did a reasonable amount of prep before that fact. Well, just to make sure I had the, the sort of sets I'd be needing. If anyone does consider it cheating, then I think we're all cheaters, so it's an even playing field. Oh, that's always good then. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I mean, um, yeah, that, that, that film. I, I, it, I was so. Impressed. I think I, I did mention it um, when we were going through them and the um, the Thack special. But I was just so inspe- impressed by just like the sheer scale of it, like the amount of sets to it in it, and um, it really did feel more like a like a, a brawl entry than a, a Thack entry. Um, and um, yeah, I just absolutely loved the, this set. I think that. Um, you know that that kind of the the futuristic uh, city, you know, sort of see, scene as well. It's especially is is really cool, and um, you know a lot you know, the amount of like camera movements and stuff that were in it. Um, I really I really liked. Yeah, thanks so much. I mean, I, I've no idea how I actually managed to fit that into twenty four hours. <laughs> Looking back, I'm just like, how how do they manage this? Yeah. It's just it's crazy. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm not sure I'll be able to make that longer one again. Yeah, I think. Everyone feels that. I mean, I, I struggle just to make like thirty seconds of animation in in uh, in twenty four hours. So. Well, I only got thirty <laughs> seconds done in a week. <laughs> yeah, it's the quality over quantity approach. Yeah, but th- this year I I was just kind of taking my time, just you know, just seeing how much I'd get done, not really trying to compete or anything. And but but I'm I'm happy that I did that because now I have the the start of a film. Uh, oftentimes, starting something is the hardest part. So I'll, I'll finish it eventually. Ah, that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually been thinking now, um, because, you know, winning Brawl uh, coming first place was kind of like such a big goal for me. I've, I've been kind of wanting to do that for so long. Um, again, I always come in, I think, I think we all probably all come into it like every, every year thinking that this year we're not going to make a good entry. I don't know. <laughs> If you feel that way, I'm always kind of like, oh, I've run out of ideas, or yeah, this one is not going to be as good as last year's. But, um, but no, it was quite funny to me because it's like, um, I and now sort of, sort of sort of thinking to myself like, well, now that I've got like first place in Brawl, should I just kind of like, where do I go now when it comes to Brawl? Should I just sort of like, you know, make joke entries, or should I keep competing? You know? It's been cool to see <laughs> people climbing through the ranks over the years, or over a, a handful of years at least. I guess your only next step is to become the uh, most wins of a uh, brawl for any animator. And that would take a long time for to, the top. to beat. <laughs> well, to beat Twig of Rick would take I, the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if he starts competing again. That's true. We got it lucky this year. Well, I, I mean, I was disappointed that there was no Twig entry this year. I mean, but I, obviously I can't blame them because they did 10 years in a row. <laughs> but of course, you know, it, it, it almost feels like it, it's. 
you know, is, is it really Brawl without the Twig entry? <laughs> I mean, point? it's always good to see some good films. So yeah. uh, any good film that hasn't been produced is, uh, I guess, you know, something we haven't got. But yeah, you know. and of course, you know, sometimes people are. You might hear the odd grumble like, "Oh, Twig just win every time," but it's like. Yeah, but but we want people to make good films, and then we we like watching good films. So if Twick keep cranking out good films, that's a good thing. Well, I do think it's kind of like when you look back at um, the films that he's he's made over the years, for, especially for Ball, it's like there's no way that it couldn't have been top three. You know, yeah. Like I think like the one he did last year was 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 incredible, and like you know, I just every year you you think you're thinking back and you're like, oh yeah, actually that one, you know, and that one. It's like there's no. I I never I never look I never think of like whenever I see him place like, you know top three and whatever I don't I never sort of question it. It's just because like yeah they really do true. deserve it each they really time. Are good you know? standout <laughs> entries basically, and you know that's what it's being judged on. Yeah, yeah. I mean nobody's gonna like rank them just because of the name. Like it's always the individual film, and you know they yeah they deliver every time. But yeah, the, <laughs> for once this brawl special <laughs> isn't about Twig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I guess I suppose I might as well ask, like, uh, you know, how did you, uh, you know, how, yeah, how did you start, you know, getting going into brick filming and that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, uh, goes back a bit. I mean, it depends on where we start. To be honest, I just as soon as I had a camera to to do stuff with webcams and stuff, uh, I was always trying to do little bits of animation. Uh, they weren't any good at the time. You know, this was about twenty eleven ish. But my first real proper brick film I guess you could say it was uh, in 2015 it was uh, very well titled uh, Raiders of the Egyptian Temple just just rolls off the tongue that one <laughs> but uh, but that's when I first stumbled on um, like bricks in motion and everything and uh, well just brick film communities in general yeah I noticed that you had one brick film from 2012 and then a gap until 2015 so like had you I, I assume you'd seen some stuff uh, beforehand like in 2011 or 2012 so do you remember like some of the early brick films you were watching or stuff that in- influenced you? Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of people, obviously, they've been involved in the community from before like YouTube was a thing or, or whatever. But, uh, but no, no, I stumbled on it all, just random videos on YouTube uh, bit by bit. And uh, you know, I got an interest in it because, hey, I had Lego. I like Lego. And here's some people making Lego moving in actual stories and stuff. You know, that's, that's what it's cool. So, yeah, basically, I, I've been wanting to do that. And... Uh, Finally, it just sort of happened, and uh, here I am. I still seem to be making them, so that's, that's always good, isn't it? Uh, did you ever see Nam Child's <laughs> brick films, like Through the Hatch? Uh, I mean, I might well have done. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Just... I sort of got really strange uh, YouTube ones, but one which really uh, stuck in the mind at the time. I mean, I wouldn't these days call it a, a particularly good video, but it, it has inspired me probably the most. It's just. Lego Mars Mission movie. I, I can't remember who it's by. I, I could dig out the uh, the link and uh, make that shown in some way. But uh, you know, back back in like 2008 or whenever Mars Mission was out, I was like, oh, I'll just see. Has anyone made something with these these cool sets and stuff? And yeah, this guy just made this little story with uh, with all the aliens and the the astronauts and and yeah, that, that inspired me for the most part. I'm not familiar with that, so I would like to see that link. Uh, I think that's one of the ones where they don't speak and they just make so silly, mm-hmm. silly sort of noises, you know, like the more official Lego produced ones did at the time. Mm-hmm. But I just ask about Namchild stuff because he was using real fire and explosions. So seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff of your upcoming manifest entry reminded me of that. 
So yeah, there's definitely, there's a few old ones I've seen which, which did have fire and, and stuff like that. Uh, I can't necessarily place what the names of them in my head, but uh, I mean, that, that's always good. I, I love the inclusion of lots of different materials. Yeah. So, I mean, I've made videos with sort of flour as snow and, uh, and soil as, as soil, you know, all these sort of things. Uh, I love it when people make that. Mm -hmm. And it does stand out greatly. Uh, I think brick filmers are often like kind of fascinated when people are using something that isn't Lego. <laughs> <laughs> Even yeah, I mean, people make you think that it's like a, the easy way out, or you know, the the quick way, or something. But like, like the background in your brawl entry, there's like paper or card or something. You know, like that. That's yes. Sort of when the uh, ambition out, exceeds your Lego collection, <laughs> sometimes you have to look further afield. And in this case, I, I think it paid off. But yeah, you know, like when you're watching a playlist of like seventy brick films in a row, and then somebody has a, a paper background, you're like, oh, a paper background. <laughs> How novel! Yes, I have Lucy to thank for that. The uh, Resident mountain maker. <laughs> Quite a lot of mountains to put together for that background, because obviously they're scrolling along in the background. They've they got to go a bit further than you can see on the screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I really like anything like that when people are just sort of um, p playing around, just sort of like expanding beyond just like brick films, I think. It's just really cool to see, you know, expanding beyond Lego. And it's just really interesting to see, like, different things you can do um that are still practical but like not lego um like the thing i, I really like to do I, lo I love doing um explosions with um cotton wool pads and just sort of like ripping them up and just sort of like so they turn into like this sort of like you know it's like a load of fluff and you can just sort of like yeah that does make shine a... some like mm -hmm. gelled lights on them that does make a good smoke effect yeah it's a uh, something i'd like to try someday it's always not Something like specifically with explosions and, and uh, muzzle flashes and stuff, every animator has a different twist on it, and I really love that. Yeah, even in this in the first place for all entry, the the uh, muzzle flashes were bricks and light. I guess light as well. Like whenever the the guns were fired, like when I do the explosions, I, I did the same. Like either cotton wool or tissue, like balled up tissues, uh, and then just shine loads of light in the frame as well. I I, I like that a lot better than that. A digital explosion. Yeah, especially for a nighttime gunshot mm. where it really would just flash out the screen. You know, it makes it feel like a proper impact. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been the first time I've done that with a gunshot, um, but it really just sells the effect a lot more. I think than just having. Um, I, I, I felt like at the time, like it wouldn't have felt right if there wasn't, you know, like a massive oh, yeah. load of lights. You know, when the especially at night, you know. Yeah, I did pick out that in your entry, and I thought it was really nice, just a little brick. And then I think, I think it was this brawl. Uh, there was another entry where there was gunshots where you know there'd be a, a brick stuff light on the tip of the gun for just one frame. But as far as I remember, the wires were left in. It was pretty, oh pretty yeah, funny I think looking. that was a panoramic entry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a shame. I, I guess he just sort of ran out of time. Sometimes maybe, I but... almost like to see stuff like that. Like it, it just seems sort of you know very stop motiony, like tangible. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it would be pretty easy to mask just most of the wire for the, the, the handful of frames that it appears. This is, again, why it's, it's always really good when people produce a behind the scenes of their entry, because you don't typically see all the work that goes into it, mm -hmm. especially when it's just little things like that. And you go, wow, so this is how they've achieved that effect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always good. Yeah, that is, that is true, too. Yeah, it's, it is nice to be able to see how it's done, even in the film. Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of harkens back to... Um, you know, in, in our last podcast, we were talking about the um, 
that that brick film series that was kind of unfinished um and the way that you know like some of the animation was so like incredibly impressive but like mm. all the rigs oh, and everything, Dr. Jobs, yeah. yeah like all the rigs and everything was still there but it kind of got because the animation was so impressive and what they were doing was so creative it kind of almost enhanced it in a way um because you got to see like oh wow there's these little things you could do and these are this is how you can how it was done you know and i think it's kind yeah. of it's really cool effects where like if you hadn't seen the rigs you wouldn't mm. have it probably wouldn't have been as impressive in a way i don't know yeah it makes you appreciate how much work had to go into rigging it yeah like otherwise it just yeah. kind of flies by and you just think well that looks good <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the the whole thing with filmmaking in general isn't it yeah. you're trying to make people not see all of that stuff yeah yeah you're supposed to be in the moment actually uh watching the video not going oh oh that oh that's <laughs> nice oh i like how they've done that yeah but uh, that's always great for a second viewing or, you know, with an actual uh, behind the scenes sort of video separate or, or any of that sort of stuff. You, you can break it down and go, oh, yes, yes, I, I like that approach. But I, and, and just, you know. I like the idea ju just for as a sort of like personal challenge to myself, I guess. Uh, I like to try to hide the brick stuff wires and like, you know, only edit them out digitally if if I really can't hide them. Yeah. Well, I, yes. I'd like to, you know, if if you can see a tiny trace of them, I just like to leave that in. Yeah. Especially for uh, deadline sort of competitions <laughs> yeah, like this, true. you really don't want to be spending more time in the edit than you you have to. <laughs> just sometimes I feel like you don't want to scrub a stop motion film, you know, too heavily, or else it kind of loses some of that stop motion charm. I think as well, like when you've got such a limited amount of time to do the editing, um, you want to save it more for things like sound design and and, and stuff like that. Yeah. The kind of more, um, I guess, technical stuff rather than just, you know, all the things where it's like, if I don't fix this, then it's going to kind of like sit, almost appear unfinished, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to get the basics down. And uh, sometimes that leaves a few things left unmasked. But back to the charm, you know, it's, it's like the whole Ard Man thing where you can see the fingerprints on the actual clay figures and stuff. It's something you just don't get in other mediums, and that's something you kind of want to at least lean into a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's it is actually kind of it's also really cool to see like when you when you look at something like that, like Ardman or or I think um, Isle of Dogs, you know, things like that, where you see like very specific um, practical effects that are like really similar to something that you've seen in brick filming or you've done yourself, and that could be really cool. I remember that with. Um, with Isle of Dogs, there's the when the when they're all fighting and it turns into this like co it, it it turns into like cotton wool, you know, where they're when they're kind of like all sort of yeah fighting fighting each other, and again that kind of just uh, kind of reminds reminded me of um, stuff that I'd seen before, like within brick films and stuff, and stuff that I kind of would do myself as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that great cartoonist sort of effect that you can achieve with it. Although it's hard to imagine like. How do outsiders perceive stuff like that? Like, you know, obviously, since we're all making stop motion films, when we see stuff like that, we're like, oh, it's so cool, you know. <laughs> but I wonder, like, does it really make a difference to the general audience? Oh, yeah. I mean, as a brick filmer, I don't think it's possible for me to uh, look at videos in the same way, yeah. to be honest. It's, you can't get that perspective. Well, I mean, it's like, I guess sort of related, but whenever um you know we have like a there's been a brawl and and um you know 
in your the entire time you're constantly obsessing over you know is this is there a mod element or like can you is it visible enough you know for them to pick it up and that kind of stuff but then you kind of watch like the next time you watch like anything that's like a film or anything you're, you're constantly looking for a non-existent mod element i, I don't know <laughs> that's something that you felt mod madness <laughs> oh you mean like think the next film you make you're thinking oh did i did i put the mod element in the frame well yeah sometimes but even like sometimes i've watched something that's like a live action thing you know just like on netflix or just anything you know, like a film and i'm looking for like you know it suddenly becomes really weird to me like the fact that you don't have to have like two colors touching each other the entire time <laughs> okay i've never i've never experienced that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i kind of yeah. don't really think about the mod elements when i'm watching the playlist i mean sometimes they're so obvious that you see them and you're like oh yeah those are the mod colors but I try not to let it distract me from trying to just watch the film as a film, you know. I don't want to be thinking, oh, did they include the mod element in this shot or not? Hmm. Yeah, ideally you try and hide it as much as possible so it's not a massive part of the film, it's just part of the set dressing. Well, I mean, you know, within the walls you are actually allowed to kind of, like, crop it as long as you you show, like, the uncropped, you know, footage. Um, You know, sort of like you know what else it was before but like um so it does kind of mean mm-hmm. that it doesn't physically have to be there within the this you know the, the film itself yeah. although it, it is slightly frowned upon to crop it too often i don't think there's, there's no like concrete rules or anything but it's just it, it takes longer you know to have to check all of these uncropped versions of shots you know um yeah the judges are having to look through every single Video yeah. second time effectively would not be ideal, I'm sure. Uh, there's a lot of unseen work that goes into, you know, uh, receiving and like approving all the entries, mm. especially right up against the deadline. It starts to go crazy. I think as well, like um, as well, I think it's quite, it is quite good to try and incorporate the mod element within your set design, um, if you can, without it just being like, I mean. I I think sometimes if you're really rushing and you you kind of have forgotten like, why last minute you have to add the mod element so you just you just have like you know two studs or whatever I can I can totally understand that but like I think if you can incorporate it, incorporate it into the set and kind of like hide it I think that can a really kind of it can be sort of fun in a way I think it does elevate the video a bit when you you go a secret sort of spot the mod rather than oh look this is <laughs> this is another couple of studs. And uh, yeah, I mean, the 15 second rule also helps a bit these days. So you can actually pull the, the occasional close up shots and all that sort of stuff where you don't have to worry at all about the mod element. And that, that's probably how it's helped me. I don't know about other people competing, mm. but. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I couldn't, it's quite I couldn't have done it without the, uh, the leeway, really. Like, there's a couple of shots in succession where, like, I literally just, there was no way that I could add the mod element. So. Um... Yeah, like I did the the close up of the the fireplace. Like there was no way, like really. So um, yeah, the, the fifteen second wall kind of uh, is a is a huge uh, benefit, I think. And if that saves people trying to squeeze a little mod element in the corner where it really shouldn't be, then it's uh, yeah. it's definitely worth it. Mm. Yeah, like, because uh, yeah, especially you know. in a shot like that, it could potentially be distracting. But I, I did do one or two shots in attack where there was like a really close close up and there was just no place to put the mod element but I just took a pen and just wrote the letter on one of the bricks just a, you know really 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 tiny but but it's visible in the shot because it was so close yeah see I always forget about the letter element <laughs> <laughs> Get entirely tied up in the, the colours 
Yeah, it become, ends up becoming like essential if you if you do like a black and white film. <laughs> well, yes. Or you'd have to release an entirely separate version again with it in full colour, which I, yeah, <laughs> not good for the judges. <laughs> but uh, with the lesson one this year, I was actually quite impressed with uh, quite a few of the entries that they managed to incorporate that really quite well. You, you know, like with a, a couple of videos had a library and you, you just had the the bookshelves with the letters in numerical order on, on them. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot harder to integrate properly in a video, but when you do, that, that, that's good, that is. Yeah, and, and it's come such a long way since the first text where people would write the letter on a piece of paper and it'd be absolutely gigantic and <laughs> send a tape to the wall in every shot. <laughs> Best to avoid, if at all possible. Yeah, yeah I think you don't, you don't if, if possible, you want it to be able to, to be viewed um, out of context without being confusing to people. <laughs> Whereas, like, I think if you if you're watch if you're you know like watching an entry as someone who doesn't know what brawl is, it's a bit weird seeing like a bunch of like I don't know W's everywhere. Like, what what <laughs> what is this supposed to mean? You know, you just like that would distract you. <laughs> yeah, I find it so so much effort just to make an animation in the first place. I, I wouldn't want people to just watch it within the context of brawl. I want it to be able to sit around there and uh, still make sense yeah. sort of as a video. Yeah. Of course, in the early days, the rules were way too strict so that, like, if a character walked in front of the letter mod and blocked it for just a handful of frames, you know, you might get in trouble for that. So that's why the that's why the letters were so gigantic back then, that they couldn't be possibly be blocked for even one frame. Oh, yes, of course, it was every single frame for a while, yeah. wasn't it? So I'm glad I came in a bit after that. <laughs> that was one of the good things about Brawl, because, you know, a different guy started Brawl, and so he made that change in starting the Brawl rules. And it, it took a while for Tech to adopt that method, but it was certainly the better way of doing things. It was quite funny um, when I was doing the set design for, for my film. Um, I didn't even think about it too much when I was building the um, the kind of like the cabin, but um, I have these old windows which are red and white, and... Um, the straight away then it was like ah great now you got these big windows and now I don't have to worry about it at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, that's a good incorporation right there. <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense in the context, so you know you, you just don't bat an eyelid. <laughs> yeah, I think there was one tack where I I already had in mind that I wanted to do a Benny and Lee film, and then the colours were announced as blue and yellow, and like they already have a gigantic blue and yellow door frame on one side of their house, and then a blue and yellow window frame on the other side, so it's basically good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking back to the Mathak entry at the beginning of this year. The the Orb of Wack 2, the, the little MacGuffin that he's he's carrying around. I was like, I do not want to make this the mod element colours. Mm -hmm. Everyone will just look at it and go, that's a mod element. Yeah. But they won't think of it as something in the context of the film. So uh, yeah, fortunately, I had the, the right colour pieces to avoid that. That's true. There, there have been some entries where characters will pick up the mod element and even refer to it as like, what's this? Oh, that's the mod element. That's important. Yeah, it's become its whole thing by this point, and uh, well, if you don't want to encroach on that, then you have to actively avoid it. Yeah, and I feel like you have to be very careful about you know making sort of making nods towards the mod element or uh, dropping the name of the team in the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it's been done so yeah. often that it you know it's usually eye rolling, but if you if you if have a, watching... a really good joke, you might be able to get away with it. If you're watching a full playlist of these, yeah. then uh, you don't want one word just cropping up again and again. That starts to take you out of it a bit. <laughs> but again, when you're watching that out of context sometime down the line, that one actually improves because 
Of course you're not going to know that this, this one word actually has some particular meaning mm -hmm. behind it. That's true. But yeah, it is a very different viewing experience to be watching Brick Films as part of just a big long playlist of like 70 films in a row. It's very far removed from if somebody just posts an individual thing on Discord and you just watch it as one, you know. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, I guess. Like maybe you, you aren't going to appreciate the films individually on the first go around but at the same time if, if you sit down with the full playlist you're going to watch them all you know like so you, you're going to catch all of the, the entries and some might stand out to you that you mightn't have otherwise noticed you know yeah I mean it is an interesting one that I do find I, I see a lot more different brick filmers when I, these contests come around because I wouldn't necessarily always seek them out mm -hmm. but but when they're in the playlist I go oh, oh this guy's good and uh, you know that's, it's quite a good thing for discoverability, I find. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, totally. I think for people starting out, if they kind of regularly take part in contests, I think it's a great... It, it is a way of, of um, getting known within the community, I think. Yeah. And uh, it, it ends up becoming quite a good kind of, like, um, advert for, you know, what you do. <laughs> See, Brick Film Day this year was an interesting one for that because it wasn't a contest and there weren't any particular rules or timescales. It was just everyone try and release on this day and we'll put it all in one big playlist. So I don't know how many people sat through all of that, but I did. And again, I, I found a few animators who I hadn't actually uh, really noticed before. Uh, but, but they weren't constrained by the normal contest rules. So having a mix of both is, I think, quite good. Yeah. Although, yeah, you know, we have been joking for a while that Brick Film Day is kind of getting out of hand. It's turning into Brick Film Week, the amount of entries. <laughs> yeah, it's it's far removed from, from the original idea. I think the name's a bit strange these days, but, but no, it's good But to well, just have community events like that. I think they kind of, when it was, when they, you know, named it Brick Film Day, they were kind of like, they were not anticipating how successful it would be. And I think ha had they known, they probably would have called it Brick Film Day. <laughs> Every day is Brick Film Day. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of things that, that happen in Brick Film Day uh, every day. <laughs> you know, and you know, of course, when, when it started, the number of entries easily would have fit into one day. Yeah, of course, it was a, a more selective thing that they just chose a, a few animators and, and had them focused on, on that day. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to both, obviously. And, uh, you don't get as much discoverability of new animators that way, do you? Mm -hmm. So a mix of both is always good. Yeah, but I, I always feel more motivated to watch all, an entire playlist if it's a, a playlist of contest entries, especially if I actually entered the contest myself. But, you know, you, you can notice that if there's people who, like, you know, might have barely any YouTube subscribers, like, when they have a film in a contest playlist, it does have more views than their other uploads so yeah it is good for getting it in front of more people's eyes if you're if you're yeah, starting crazy from crazy how few subscribers some of the uh, the top 15 entries have in for brawl this year mm -hmm. i was just having a look at it again like what's going on here it's just such a random mix of, of different levels and i guess yeah this is a case of uh, how new they are to the platform and mm -hmm. you know it takes time to build that up but of course, nowadays, there's a lot of people who are starting out and they're super young, but they're already really, really good. They're a hell of a lot better than I was when I was the same age as them, uh, which is always really weird <laughs> to see. Uh, so, you know, like that can explain as well. It's like, wow, how does this guy have, you know, almost no subscribers? Then you check his channel and he's got like he's only made like two brick films, but already at a really good standard. Yeah, I do think that 
like brawl and other and contests like it, like Thack, I feel like it, they a good like couple of break filmers get discovered each each year. Like you know, like I think you know, there's quite a lot of uh, people that will you know they'll gain new subscribers and and whatever. I think it, I think it's a good way of um, especially especially when I feel like I feel like this is important to really kind of like uh, pretty much hammer in really the fact that it's never like guaranteed that you're going to get like a lot of views and you know sometimes i think having like having good views is what really matters i think um quality of views over quantity yeah (laughs) yeah totally i think that's really what what matters um i think i was i was talking about this the other day but um the the like uh i look back at like my analytics and the youtube studio and um you know some of my views are I look back at like because uh, my most viewed uh, brick film is um, Dancing in the Street, and that's got like I don't know like forty seven thousand views or something by this point. Um, <laughs> but like when you compare it to like the the kind of response and the mm-hmm. the amount of like likes uh, by comparison in terms of like you know by like views, <laughs> um, my 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 brick films have got like a you know a few hundred views have like a much bigger response. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen victims with only a couple hundred views that have more comments than ones with thousands of views. So I mean, it must mean more, pe- more mean more to the people who saw it. Well, like, um, my my two like most uh, commented uh, brick film uh, brick films are um, so my my bar entry that I just released, um, Strike Attract and um, Cut and One, and mm. they're by far by no means like you know they're not even up to a, a thousand views, but they have. By far the biggest response, uh, and then they got like I mean like for example like you know you look at like the the comments of Trucker Tracks got forty five comments versus um, uh, Army Training Video which has got thirty four thousand views it's got twenty nine comments <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I think people get a little bit too obsessed over the views and they kind yeah. of forget like how the views are kind of like they have the least consequence. In terms of, yeah, like... I mean, I feel like that 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 example just goes to show, like, yeah, it's good that the the better film is getting more recognition, uh, comments wise. You know, it it just goes to show that view count doesn't correlate with the you know, which is the better film or not. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I do find comments a lot more valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's actually showing that someone's engaged with it rather than just you know, put it on the background or something. And it's like, oh, people people actually like my video. What, what's going on here? And I mean. Supposedly you get that from the like button, but that's oh, I don't know. I don't ever find that really. No. Many people bother with I, that. I, I don't even look at numbers of. Yeah, likes I don't look likes. at that on anyone's video yeah. for the most part. <laughs> I forget it's there. Yeah, exactly. But it's like as well, like um, there is another element to it as well in that, um, you know, we, we you know we talk about different brick filmers and different you know brick films and stuff, and I think especially like you think of like raw entries that a lot of them you kind of remember for for years to come and. It's really funny because you you look back and the view counts are not you know particularly that high, even for like brick films from from years ago and stuff. But like, you never get this impression that they weren't big. Um, I feel like um, if it weren't for the actual, if you couldn't physically see the amount of views that uh, videos had, you'd have no idea like who were like getting the views. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was that was kind of. I guess you could say that was the way it worked like before YouTube, you know, back in the com era, the, the, the films that were recognized as classics 
they they weren't the same type of things that got all the YouTube views later on. So it, it, it felt like this era where because you didn't know what the numbers on things were, you just had to get this feel for what people remembered and liked the best. Mm. So it, it felt very pure, I guess you could say. Like the the, the, yeah, the only reason that something would be remembered is because it was that good. So a word of mouth type yeah. thing is what are people actually engaging with and talking about? Mm-hmm. I think as well, like I've I've always kind of been uh, I think even like in like 2015 when I was really first starting to brick film, I was already at that point uh, when it comes to YouTube where like yeah the the era of like 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 loads of brick films getting like you know hundreds of thousands of views and stuff that kind of passed unless you were kind of like one of these like you know michael hickox or like <laughs> you know the big kind of trending <laughs> kind of brick films you know um i was already sort of beyond that point i think when i started so i kind of very quickly sort of realized that getting loads of views was never kind of a, a big like guarantee <laughs> well actually come to think of it it's crazy how fickle it is you know the the rug can just be pulled from under you by the uh you know the algorithm mysterious some, youtube algorithm yeah, some, exactly some mystery in the sky the youtube algorithm is merciless and you know at any moment the success you have could be kind of uh completely taken away um and i think that's you know not just brick filming i think that is true of like a lot of, of a lot of content unless you're like yeah doing something like i don't know there are some that i feel like to some degree are kind of like almost indestructible <laughs> you know when in, you know, if you've got like some some people that have got like YouTubers that have got like they're into the tens of millions or something, and they I don't know like light like streamers or something like that. But like I'd say like a big a big chunk of like of like content within within YouTube, it's only kind of like you know one step of the algorithm away from completely you know YouTube just just sort of like making them irrelevant in a way. <laughs> Didn't Jang Bricks recently have to create an entirely new channel for? For some nebulous, like algorithm-related reason, but, you know, he's still got a good following, I think. So that's a, it's a bit strange. This isn't a brick film, it's um, I don't know if you know him. He just does some reviews of Lego sets and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's that's really strange. And that, that's yeah, he's he's even still being successful, and that's happened. So I guess there's only so much you can fixate on that, to be honest. I, I wonder how it like it probably feels a lot worse to have achieved the sort of you know millions of views high and ability to make a career out of it and then have it all taken away from you <laughs> like yeah honestly i mean respect for anyone who tries to make a career out of yeah. it but it's never going to be stable i think we've seen that time and time again yeah like i feel like i i feel like mentally it's probably better to just keep going you know not trying to get views or you know never reach that point and then lose it i feel like you know, it's it's hard to know unless you've actually been there. But I could imagine it sort of souring you on the the whole thing. Yeah, thinking your glory years are behind you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think. Well, yeah, not only that, but then also, yeah, thinking your glory years are behind you, but also that you're actually fairly young as well. You know, on top of that, <laughs> people that were really successful when they were like teenagers, and now they're in their mid twenties, but they they feel like they're kind of like five years have gone. You know, it's. <laughs> It's uh, plenty of time to find something else. Yeah, I just um, and yeah, I, I feel like, I guess this is not. I mean, I guess sort of technically related to to brick filming, um, like someone like Bobby uh, Bobby Burns, uh, is probably an example of how like um, 
as well. Like I think getting a, a, a big amount of fame all at once can have a really negative effect on you as well. Um, so there are two way, the two sides to it. I think the the um, not only the kind of like the fact that your fame can just you know die at any moment, but also like that. I think I feel like there is something that you know with people who who may have had just a kind of like a humble amount of like uh, not not a huge amount of like followers, but a decent amount of followers. But then sort of suddenly being exposed to like you know like ten times the amount of of viewers and. I can imagine that having a really neg- real negative effect on you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a lot to deal with. Like, I guess it depends on the person on how they respond to that. But uh, I'm not sure I'd be the one for being massively in the limelight, even if I could. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just different personality types. You know, like like we always see that there's, you know, there seems to be big filmers who are happier to just enter the contests and, you know, engage with community, even if they're even if the, the films might might not even crack a thousand views but it feels meaningful to enter contests and have you know this sort of shared experience whereas there's plenty of other people who who never enter any contests and you know maybe make things that get more views and i guess that's just what they prefer to do and i guess they're they're more you know if they do get to that point of getting suddenly getting a bunch of fame all at once maybe they're more equipped to deal with that Mm. i think (laughs) as well though like something that kind of is sort of related to the you know the whole like the views being good rather than worrying about like the the kind of number of views you're getting i think another thing as well is like um i i really love it um when people comment on very specific things Mm -hmm. within a a video that they like um you know i mean i i think it's 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 a really nice feeling for to get like any comments but like when the comments are literally you know literally kind of talking about very specific things they they like it's, it's really nice like I found that with the track attract, like um, there were a few comments about the very specific um, the the transition between when the cigar falls on the floor and it you know you have the transition oh, yeah. to the fireplace. Um, it's so nice. It's oh, a good one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean it was that was like one of the things that when I was when I was doing that, I was like I was really excited about it because I felt like oh yeah, I really love I I really you know love how like this is sort of come you know sort of like came out and i was like i'm really you know there's like when there's like specific shots and and parts of a film uh, that you make that you're kind of like you're really excited to share it you know (laughs) um that was like people notice yeah 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 and i think the fact that the first time i got like someone commenting on that it was like yeah yeah you know it it, someone's seen it (laughs) yeah that's the funny thing when when people just view the video you you don't know how much they've seen it Mm -hmm. or or what's coming, what what they've taken away from it. So yeah, if people leave comments on, on specific things, yeah, oh yes, they they know that that they've seen it, yeah. and that's uh, yeah. I always try and leave kind of targeted comments uh, about people's videos because I because I know I like that. And we probably return to these sort of talking points very often, but I mean, possibly because, <laughs> but between each episode, we probably see you know the same sort of things popping up on Discord of people saying like, oh, I did this and it got more views, or you know. How how do I get views? And it's like, yeah, don't care. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and like you know, for real, I totally get why people feel that way. I feel like you know, views is kind of equivalent to like um, money. Like it's quite similar to money in terms of like how you kind of you want to keep growing and you want to keep you know kind of like you you want that sort of success and you you, you equate like the views as being successful and 
like I totally get it, especially when you're young. Like I mean, that's all I was. I was totally obsessed with it when I was like starting out. Like I wanted to be like the next Michael Hickox. You know, I wanted to get like a million, you know, millions of views per video and stuff. But like, eventually, you kind of realize that it's quite tiring. Um, and unless the the content that you're making um, just works within the algorithm, I feel like it can be emo- quite emotionally draining and. I don't. I think you kind of can just end up on autopilot, not really making stuff that you want to make, and never really taking that many risks. Um, and I, I say this, but then you got you know you got people like Ed Bound who are always that always seem to be doing really well. But I but I do genuinely believe that he he enjoys making what he make what he wants to make, and I just think that's an example of like, yeah, I, I think it's totally fine to to make things that are successful. But I think it's like you shouldn't do it if you're not passionate about it. If that makes sense, like if there's genu- if you genuinely want to make the things that are successful, then I think that's when it when it works. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it takes so much time and effort just to to make a single animation, and if if you're not enjoying the process or the results or anything, then I mean, <laughs> that's not great morale, really, is it? And uh, it's, it's hard enough producing all of that and, and getting the video how you want, let alone trying to also in the background cater towards this algorithm which just changes and, you know, sometimes it's easier just to, to not think about that. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I, I, we, we often talk about these kind of things, but I, know, I think it always, it, it always is kind of, um, it always remains relevant, I think. And I just think that it's just important to kind of remind people that I don't know. I think having fun is the is the main is the most important thing, and and making stuff that you you know you find fulfilling, personally, is really you know the most important thing. I think. Before we become too much like broken records, I wonder if we should um, start discussing the brawl entries because you know, it, it it takes a bit longer than when we have just three films to discuss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, I think this is quite quite a good time to uh, to start. Yeah. So, before we uh, head on to the top 10 entries of Brawl 2021, I just wanted to give a brief shout out to those who placed in the top 15. From 15th to 11th place uh, was The Return by Loving Lego, My Dearest Love by Blue Brick, Over the Sea by Film City, Return to Lender by Fruitcake Films, and Froggy Tail by Squidtastic Videos. Do also check out those videos as well. The link to those videos will also be in the description along with the other films. But without further ado, here is the top 10 countdown of Brawl 2021. The 10th place entry is A Day in the Life of Gus uh, Gieswold by Panoramic. Is that Geesewood, I think? Or Geesewood? I'm not sure how it's pronounced. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, right off the bat, I really I really like her, like the, the look of the film, like visually. Um, He's, uh, you know, he set, you know, uh, you know, a lot of it to to music and stuff, and uh, you know, to kind of like for the flow and stuff of the film. Um, I really like the kind of like aesthetics of the film. I guess I feel like it is mostly the film is mostly centered around the kind of like the the tone and and sort of like style of the film. Um, but the the style that it has, I think it is, you know, there, it does have a lot of style. I guess it 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 works well. I think. Yeah, I think it you know it, yeah. it it does often work for a film to be sort of like yeah, maybe the plot is almost secondary to the style, but that's okay because it's like it's it's like it's there to just get you into this sort of style piece, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, can I just say I really love that campfire. Yeah. <laughs> it worked really well. Yeah, those shots are really nice. The, the flickering yeah. light. Yeah. And then the guy just 
flips over when, when he's in the turkey leg for, for no apparent reason. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it does look great. I really like the fireplace. Um, and it's a really creative, you know, kind of thing. I feel like instead of just going for the, the typical flame piece, you know, he wanted to kind of go for something that was a bit more like um, a smaller fire, you know. And, um, yeah, I think that came out really well. And the lighting in general for that is is really good because it's not just a, an awkwardly light background behind this this fire. It, it really feels it sets the tone. It, it feels like a nice out in the desert. I think. Mm. And there's a lot of nice physics to the animation. Like when things are thrown, they they hang in the air for a little bit. But one thing I do want to say though, and it's kind of going against what I was saying earlier about the like, you know, leaving in the sort of traces of how things are made. But it, it does feel like people now. People have really pushed sort of not caring about blue tech being visible in brick films for a while. Uh, and like, you know, I don't think it needs to be scrubbed down to absolutely nothing, but I do kind of wish people would, you know, n not make it like jump out at you, not not make it be super visible <laughs> where possible. Yeah, I do get that. But uh, I'm not sure I'm one to talk <laughs> about. I do have a habit of leaving it visible, especially for the out of socket animations. Yeah, I mean, I mean we, we've all done it, but yeah. Sometimes, you know, you have like a tiny bit and, and I know like how I, I love doing out of socket animation in my films and quite often there's always just a little bit of, of tack you can kind of just about see. Uh, and I think that's fine. Yeah, I, I think, think like there is a point where like they re like, you know, the animator just really doesn't care about the in shot and they'll kind of just like have like a massive like swab of like... <laughs> You know, of like blue tack, where it's just like it—it it gets to a point where it's just distracting you from the actual animation. <laughs> um, I think more so than just like um, having a rig in shot, in some ways. Um, but I guess I guess some people just find it funny to just leave it in and make it obvious, like, yeah, I'm just using blue tack here, and that's the joke. But I don't know, it, it just kind of distracts me. But that's just me. I mean, personally, until someone pointed out, I, I didn't really think about it. I was like, you know, this. Look, he's floating. Mm -hmm. What do you mean there's blue tack? No. Well, I don't see that. But uh, but yeah, I, it, it is always good to try and hide as much as possible. But I suppose we should talk about the ninth place entry. Yeah, so uh, Darry's Wonder Reality, uh, which uh, by by Toe Productions. So yeah, it, it's um, visually it's a really incredible. It's it's a really um, impressive film. It's uh, set to Everywhere at the End of Time, which is a six and a half hour um, experimental album by um, The Caretaker, which is uh, split into six parts. And uh, basically it's it's all about like the uh, experiencing like dementia and how like things become more and more distorted. And it's all kind of about like, you know, this experience of like holding on to the, your last like existing memories to the point where everything is just kind of like inaudible and you just, and um, he uses this music um, in this film as a kind of like, you know, for the soundtrack of like this guy. I don't know if it's necessarily supposed to be um, dementia. I think it's mostly done for aesthetic purposes. And it's, well, of course, um, if you know what the music is, it does bring that to mind as far as yeah. interpreting the film. It's quite a specific kind of like uh, reference. So I could I could imagine that in a lot of people not not realizing that. Um, but yeah, I think in the film he's kind of like he's like trapped in his dreams and he's like trying to like wake up and 
there's a lot there's a lot of like really creative visuals um throughout um and uh yeah i think that i think uh it's very effective on a visual level yeah dream sequences always have a lot of potential and obviously you know this one takes its own approach mm. on it and that's quite cool i think i'll, I'll just talk about the, the bit in the the actual the real world looking place at night with the, the rain and everything i always love it when people use water i, I know the drops are bigger than they would be in reality, but but now I, I love that look, and and he pulled it off really well, especially with the lighting and everything. It it really set the atmosphere alongside the music. I can sort of tell from your tone where you're going with the. <laughs> I just kind of want to say like, I feel like I was on board with the story, uh, and it being sort of more open to interpretation, I guess, uh, but I felt like it kind of fumbled the ending by kind of turning it a bit jokey uh, it, it, it kind of felt like it didn't want to commit to being a, a bit more abstract whereas I would have preferred if it if it did do that but um, for the, the majority I really, really was on board with this entry uh, and as far as I know the guy who made it is like remarkably young for, for how good it looks <laughs> like you'd never think that um, somebody would be making something this good at that at at what I think is a young age. And also, one thing I want to say, it looks like he already has macro filters. <laughs> and um, I only just recently got macro filters for the DSLR, and I can't believe that I made an entire major project without them. <laughs> so if anyone if anyone's listening and they have a DSLR but they don't have a set of macro filters, highly recommended. Uh, I'll take that on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something that... Um kind of strike me is that um they're quite young um well i mean i assume they're fairly they're fairly young and the fact that this is a you know incredibly impressive film on a, a visual level i think i think as well especially like i think there's there's some there's a lot of variety i think it's simply by you know being i guess by nature being you know like a variety of like dream sequences and stuff there's a lot that there's a lot packed into it um you know, you have this kind of like, you know, the sort of white sort of void and then you've got like this sort of street scene, which I think is probably my favourite sequence in the film. Um, just for like aesthetically. Um, I really love that shot um, when just after he sort of jumped out of the window of like the first dream sequence and then there's like this, this really cool shot of a rooftop and the suggestion of like the world's, you know, like you've got like uh, lots of city, like, you know, like buildings and stuff. That was really cool, uh, and then you've got like the the lighting of the different buildings, and um, you know, there's just a I just found it very effective. Agreed. And yeah, I mean, there's so much in this film that I really that I really like. I think that I guess if I'm going to be kind of critical, I think there is sort of a, uh, and I, I guess this is something that kind of you kind of pick up on over time when you're making stuff, um, like having having the title card at the end saying like then he woke up. Like you, you'd be able to kind of like pick that up on that without seeing, you know, without having to be told like in a title card. I totally get kind of like I, you know, when I was starting out, like that's something that I probably yeah. would have done myself. But like, but you know, I do want to say that like I don't want it to sound like we're sort of writing off any sort of story level entirely. It, it might just, it might sound like we're we're here saying, oh, you know, visually we like it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, I think the reason why these sort of story concerns or title card concerns are being mentioned is because it was like so close to <laughs> not sort of fumbling it if you know what I mean I, I don't know if I'm coming across too harsh but 
bit of a tonal clash at the end, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, we wouldn't even be mentioning it, except for the fact that it was like it was doing well for for the majority of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is definitely worth like I guess pointing out is that like there are so many elements of this that are very that's that's so strong, and that's that is mean primarily the only reason why we're kind of being critical of it is because there is so much to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just think it. Yeah, tonally, yeah, I, I think that is probably the main issue, I guess, and the is the the tonal shift overall. I, I mean, I'm I'm really glad to see this like place. Um, I thought it was a very impressive film, and um, yeah, I just think it just goes to show, like, even from like a a young age, there are a lot, there are a lot of brick films now that are like a, that are really like doing impressive stuff um, mm-hmm. early on, you know. And of course, you know, it's always nice to see Rick films that have a more sort of unconventional narrative structure. Yeah, that's the the funny thing. Now, watching these and talking about them after the announcement of the summer contest, I can see so many of them could just just kind of fit right into that. Yeah. And it's not even just using it like for the sake of just doing random nonsense. Like, you know, you can actually get story out of it. And that's nice to see. For sure, yeah. So should head off to um, the 8th place entry? Yes. Can do. Cool. Aftermath by Bricks and Pieces, and um, actually, it was quite funny. There is actually a kind of a there was a bit of a a theme in the this uh, this year's brawl of like uh, films about soldiers, mm-hmm. but um, this one on it, I I really liked um, just for like I think it's it, it is very effective for like you know how short it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it tells a lot again on just like a just you know on visuals. Yeah, um, which I really like. Yeah, I I I generally call them the the unofficial teams when there's something that keeps popping up <laughs> in all of the entries, even though it has you know seemingly very little to do with what the stated theme was. And yeah, th- this this for all of us certainly films about soldiers. There were it seemed like the the two kind of like unofficial themes were it was soldiers and returning items at a shop. Yeah, but that that kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you expect that one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's a few that when people are, whoever's running a contest is selecting a theme, they'll wait, I'm sure these are going to come in. But yeah, I don't know in this case about yeah. whether that would have been predicted. But that's, that's I mean, sometimes the time, they're basically impossible to predict. Like, was it last tack when there was just a whole bunch of entries of naked people? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> yeah, that, and yours was that one definitely of them. Had, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, he had trails. Uh, Something that, that I also fold into was the 4-3 the uh, aspect ratio, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, theme. Which um, a lot of entries had. Yeah, funny. I nearly chose to go with that for this one as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, certainly this is one of a number of entries um, where yeah, the strength is certainly uh, telling the story without dialogue, and, and all the framing is very nice. I also really like um, match cuts um, where you've got and like they have the one here where he's like he goes from being the soldier to sitting down. It's like the face is in the exact same position. That kind of stuff I always find really impressive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I know you've you've mentioned this before. Uh, if if we have to criticize the smiling guy who's dead, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's much less Lego faces available which don't have big excessive grins on them. So I can see how this always happens. Yeah. But so, yeah, you know, the guy who's got like does... two actual holes in his torso and blood but then he's got the the classic hilarious mustache smile face 
<laughs> I was kind of laughing at that, to be honest. I feel like you could probably maybe turn the head away, turn the face away from the camera and it, you might be able to sell it. Yeah, like I've done that in the past when what I do is like if they get knocked out or whatever, I usually just like turn their face away so they're not like, you know, they're not vi- visibly um, awake. Um, and I guess this is kind of similar in that um, it always it's something that is a bit of a a pet peeve for me whenever with brick films is like the 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 choice of of a face, um, and I admittedly have done this myself. I think using like inappropriate faces <laughs> for specific things, especially if it's like you know a smiley face or something that's supposed to be quite serious and. The, um, the smiling mustache face I've always thought of that as one of the most inherently funny Lego faces which is probably because of seeing uh, the meat sauce films by Chihuahua uh, <laughs> if, if you if you throw a clip of, of a meat sauce film on the screen now it'll uh, it'll be abundantly clear to everyone why why that is <laughs> see I was thinking oh what about people approaching it who aren't used to Lego animations what, what are they going to see with when they look at faces like that but then you, you've thrown this curveball in where it's like oh no but you have seen too many brick films and now you've got a, a particular association yeah. with it so yeah minefield of uh, context do you know one thing I do want to say though is uh, so I, I guess sort of related to talking about the visible tech it seems like uh, they were using like white clay as the, the meat on the chicken leg when it's being eaten I think that that's, that's a really good use of, of visible clay you know, using it as sort of food, getting oh, eaten. Oh, yeah. I actually noticed that before. Yeah, again, a little bit of taking another medium in to uh, enhance the general brick film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you look past the, the smiling faces in the battlefield, <laughs> this is definitely one of the, the, the more harder-hitting ones of the, the war. Because it's quite hard to express in Lego, and especially if there's loads of action going on, you, you just feel it like, you know, it's an action movie. But this one, because it's, it's aftermath, it's set after the war, you, you go like, the battle you're looking at it in, yeah yeah it works it's quite hard to achieve a serious tone in Lego but it it does do a reasonable job mm. in this one it worked really well as a very quiet entry like that is true actually something that I hadn't yeah. even really thought about is that it felt very deliberate yeah like I think you know so much so often it's always about the actual the, the action and people often forget like that sort of um, I guess quite sort of disturbingly quiet you know kind of like yeah it's all over but it's like yeah I guess that's something that you don't really see very often especially in brick films the sound design really does help with that it it didn't need music and I'm glad it didn't have mm-hmm. any because you know it feels more raw in that sense yeah but, I yeah, think it definitely I... it definitely um, added to it that just sort of quietness yeah but yeah I think that this this film is the highest placing uh, war brawl entry <laughs> so it, it wins that contest <laughs> yeah true the weird secret extra theme yeah. contest, like an honor, like a good sort of honourable mention for that, like you know. Because I know that if I accidentally make a film that you know has the the sort of unofficial team that that a bunch of others have, I always think, oh no, now if we all did the same thing, we're all gonna look, you know, a bit lesser in the playlist, you know, to no fault of your own, just just because of the repetition of the the thing that keeps coming up. It's like you you think the people aren't gonna. You know like your entry as much so but yeah, but if you end up being the highest placing that had that it's like yes i win <laughs> <laughs> so head over to um seventh entry um mm-hmm. beacon light by uh formal lens 
Another very visually strong entry. The lighting is actually um, like particularly good, I think, in this one. Mm-hmm. The colours are really nice. Yeah, there's a lot of vibrance to it. Um, and then I, I like the you have like that kind of like um, the ticket booth, and I really love how like how much you know brighter that is compared to like the rest of the of the room and stuff. Mm-hmm, and yeah, just like sort of attention to detail. Um, I really love. Yeah, for um, sure. That the, the that that certain parts are much brighter than others. It looks great, and yeah, sometimes in break films, I think people are kind of afraid to do that. Like, you know, once one part is bright, they kind of think, oh well, well, I I should really even out this other part, but oftentimes that's not the way to go. Yeah, and I, I and I think as well, what makes it stand out here in particular is that the focus is quite you know of the of the like the film is quite often the most in the dark um like you know you have like the the lizard guy and he's like walking past and the the booth and stuff and it's like it's quite you know it makes it really kind of stand out and really really kind of like it kind of puts it more attention on it even more the fact that you know the kind of vibrance of it all you know you're paying attention to like the darkest part of it you know Mm -hmm. but you know one thing i kind of do want to say is that like when this came up in the playlist, you know, I was thinking, man, this entry's great. You know, I'm really enjoying this. Really, this is really engaging, etc. But then, if you asked me what was the plot, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> some st- well, from some I cool stuff he's, happened. He's trying to head home to his, uh, I guess, swamp sort of place. I guess he, the, the audio cue of the, the oh yeah, the bog sound. sound. I guess frogs yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it's my own fault for not paying attention. But like, but I, I don't I don't even mean that in a bad way sometimes there's those brick films where you're like man that was really enjoyable i really enjoyed watching that but then it's like what what actually happened um he found his way home that is actually oh yeah i would actually say that is almost a uh, yeah i'd say that was, that was a compliment in a way because i i feel like it's one of those sort of brick film one of those sort of films where like you pick up on on new things each time uh and for for, for a film that's so short um the fact that you know you keep like like now I'm I'm just keep I keep sort of fight, you know sort of like noticing new things, um that's actually really impressive I think for s- such a short one time. Yeah yeah I'm a fan of the the grungy space aesthetic and and this does quite a good job of that mm-hmm. you know it's all sort of workshop stuff that kind of fix up bits of high tech equipment oh, yeah. and certainly all the neon lights and everything all the character designs and the set designs the the lighting and the the color schemes it's all very nice and yeah sci-fi just very distinctive looking. I think what I really like as well is like the you know there's a lot of attention attention to detail, but I I really, I really love that shot when he's looking out the window and you know it focus pulls and you see the reflection of mm. like this sort of satellite, like you know really kind of just expanding and really telling so much in such a short you know amount of time and you know that kind of stuff is really cool. Like straight away you get that kind of context that he's like on yeah, sort of spaceship. Very well produced. Yeah, for sure. To loop back to something from earlier. The uh, the brick stuff wires are just barely visible, but they're not they're not going to jump out at you. <laughs> In this instance, given it's a, already a, a space station, which is yeah. looking a bit rough around the edges. That's... Oh yeah, no, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's actually fits to be honest. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Sometimes you can leave the wires in as part of the set design, uh, and I think that that's what's. I think it works to the film's advantage here. Because they're kind of wires, you know. Yeah. It it kind of it in context of like the film it can make sense i think that's that's the main thing it has over something like 
the tack. <laughs> we true. can sort of justify it on a set design way. <laughs> but I mean, even even if you if you even if you weren't trying to justify it as like sci-fi set design or anything, I feel like the way that they're, you know, mostly hidden, but you know, not he's not going crazy trying to hide them or anything. I feel like it, it would work in pretty much any brick film. To just have the, mm. just a little bit of evidence, but not not to a distracting degree. I think it's also something that I'm sort of picking up on now. Again, there's, there's a, I don't know, there's a quite a lot to talk about in this this, this film, um, even though it's so short. I just um, but I really like how there is a variety in terms of like what the ca- what the camera is doing, like in terms of like the depth of fields and because. I think I don't know if we've actually touched on this in the in the podcast before, but like some brick films sort of try and go too much for the kind of like or, you know you can't see the yeah. the um like you know it's shallow that's like all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, it like, seems like it, it seems like a very popular feeling among brick filmers that like oh shallow depth of field instantly makes anything look cinematic, but they're often not using it. Yeah, in a sort of. Motivated it can be way. a bit of a crutch, so you don't have to design the the background quite so well. <laughs> That's true too. But I feel like this kind of this film, it 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 kind of you know it shows a lot of the the kind of how the the scale of the sets quite well. I think. Yeah. So it definitely adds to it. It's perfect. It's quite purposeful in in the way that the sort of the depth of field is used. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we will move on to um to sixth yeah the sixth entry. Uh, How to Eat Your Grandpa in 60 Seconds by Sinjira. <laughs> we love to see it. So how how do we start with this one? <laughs> Very classic Sinjira, yeah. Great stuff. Yes. I mean, I could try and, I guess, you know, uh, give like a plot summary. Um, For what it's the, worth. <laughs> the, the grandpa, the, yeah, the grandpa uh, dies and uh, the son has, you know, has an idea uh, to dig up the, his grave uh, with his son and uh, eat him. For, but then, for some reason. <laughs> but then he tries to. He then eats his son to um, retrieve his dead body. But then the twist turns out that they all turn to beans. Hershey's beans, or I think that's the brand. <laughs> In his liver for some reason, because yeah, of course, that, that's, that's. I think this happens. is probably the you hardest one someone. to talk about. You just have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's. It makes hard sense to when you watch it. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, it, it is surprisingly coherent when you watch it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, what I, I mean, there's there's this like uh, I guess the main thing I'd say is like there's so much energy uh, and there's like a lot going on uh, all at once. Um, <laughs> and um, I love there's so much like uh, really impressive stuff uh, in the film I really love how like he he kind of um, combines like different scales um, there's a it's really fun to watch the uh, like frame by frame when he kind of like um, you know his, his the, the, the mouth kind of like goes over really yeah. big and then the like those brick built heads are horrifying in just the right yeah. way <laughs> Yeah, but you know, Sanjira's animation is—it's so particular. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. Even, even though if you were to describe it, it might often sound like amateurish. But it's like the most professional amateurism 
<laughs> like with the JPEGs over. He the knows top. that it can be funnier to just alternate between two frames over and over again rather than doing anything more than that. But like, you know, it's 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 always chosen at just the right times, and and they alternate just far enough between each other to make it the maximum funny. Yeah, like throughout all of this, as crazy as it all may sound, it, it's there's so much effort. Mm, oh yeah, this yeah, you it know, takes a lot like... of effort to to make sort of rough rougher or lower frame rate stuff look funny look just the way you want it and like i know that um he's met uh, sanju has actually mentioned it quite a lot that um they've they've actually done like this and i think um where's my dog pico um have done really well on Newgrounds. grounds yeah um actually they've surpassed the views on youtube like a lot like you know by a lot and um i can really see why oh yeah um it's like it attracts the new grounds sort of like um, crowd because I think it, I feel like it really it it's quite reminiscent to a lot of like the kind of flash animation that um, I've I've seen. Yeah, on I totally grounds. get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of a video, <laughs> and definitely like the sense of humor as well. I think kind of it it works there as well. And it's cool to see this. Like I I guess that he's using Blender uh, for a lot of these shots. I think he's been like you know experimenting with blender and, and trying out new styles yeah so this is sort of like a merging of two different styles like the, the pico style and then also this new sort of blender style that seems uh, and it, obviously it's really nice whenever there's somebody who's using different styles even if, even if it's a side you've seen them use before but when it pops up in the playlist especially you know it's like oh every other film was was a normal type of rig film with you know figures walking around on the ground but this one's totally different so it's it's like I don't want to say a breath of fresh air because obviously I'd, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't be looking poorly on regular Rick Fillmer's regular Rick Fillmer's doing things in the regular Rick Fillmer style, but it's just a nice little novelty when, you know, there's another style in the playlist, especially or or else if there's a Rebecca Rick Fillmer in the playlist as well. I think there was this year that was really good. The one with the technique figures on the car, I really enjoyed seeing that one pop up in the playlist. <laughs> I think uh, as well, like one of the things that um, I really like about Sidhu is like sense of humor, is like. For some reason, like his like potty humor just works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I don't know why, but like the, there's that there's that bit in like the very beginning, where for like no reason at all, you, there's just a shot of the baby yeah. um, farting. That was so. Funny. Like, <laughs> and it just and I don't know why it just it just makes me laugh so much. Um, there's another one in um, I think it was in uh, Headloose, um, when they're interviewing. Um, these like heads and one of them just vomits <laughs> and that's that's the interview <laughs> it's sort of crass humor but it just it just works somehow yeah, it certainly works for me it's been approached from clearly a point of quite a good amount of talent <laughs> yeah definitely helps yeah actually that is true i think it is partly like the how kind of like again it always feels like effort has been put into it so even like if it's just something that's like a really a stupid joke it just works <laughs> <laughs> also the faces yeah, are cool you know if it, if there wasn't so much else going on we probably would have mentioned the faces already but you know the fact that he's he's doing these like crazy like drawn on faces the whole time yeah I noticed um, there's like a few weird shaped heads going on there as well it just swaps out mm-hmm. and then obviously yeah, I think those, are, those must be citizen brick heads uh, like oversized and one of them's like really really tall at some point yeah yeah 
It is a good one to break down um, frame think... by frame on some bits. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Actually, breaking it down frame by frame um, as well, I think there's actually um, not be a he- one of those um, Citizen Brick heads that's like um, two heads merged into one. I think he yeah. uses for literally like one frame. Oh, it's a mere frame <laughs> type thing. Oh, that's quite good. Yeah. You have to look back at it, but you know, some of the, the actual like brick build stuff is, is cleverly designed as well. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's it's sort of like the kind of thing that you you hardly even register it when it's going by because it's just so fast paced. But yeah, like like well, yeah, you mentioned the the brick build heads that are horrifying in the right way, but also like that <laughs> the, the, that shot when they're they're heading to the grave and there's like you know the funny sort of cartoon house and the the clouds in the sky. It just all looks you know f- funny in a stylized way or stylized in a funny way. I think a lot of it as well, like. Um... You know, there's like holding on to like frames and like, you know, sort of just like or uh, going, you know, repeating the same like two frames over and over again. And then there's also like shots that are just like so like they're like half a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think I don't know, but like I think in terms of the editing and everything, oh, yeah. it just it adds to the humor so much. The editing, like, the sound just... design. I guess it feels like it feels like we've said a lot about this one, uh, probably because I have this feeling that like not everyone would get it, but in my mind it's like it's all extremely even though it's it seems rough and crazy and all it's like there's a lot of brains behind it <laughs> but it's hard to explain <laughs> how or why i guess um you've kind of talked about it before um in in the the kind of the humor that comes out of um putting loads of effort into something that is like really stupid um <laughs> and you know like something i i know like i think in uh, Tiger Trouble 2, there's all that kind of like the amount of effort you put into like the set design for like literally one shot, yeah. just to add just to add like a visual gag at the end, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, there's so much humor in that, like I, you know, just putting so much effort into something that's like just one very short joke. Yeah, just that know? in itself. Yeah. But yeah, but but also just kind of, you know, as often get this feeling as if, you know, people who haven't been it's it's really hard to word this without sounding pretentious or without sounding like gatekeeping or whatever but it's like people who haven't been around as long just think that smooth animation is the only good animation but the kind of animation that Sanjira does I find it to be more impressive and fun to watch it's definitely harder to do right it's cartoony isn't it like mm-hmm. it's a very cartoony style um, and really not going for like realism in it in like any sense i suppose but it, it's it's like really well animated though that's the thing like oh yeah i think there's this kind of thing of like people think that smooth equals good and that and it's true like there are some really there's some really some brilliant examples of smooth animation yeah, of course, yeah. but like it doesn't mean that anything that isn't smooth is bad i think that's that's quite important to kind of point out like I think there are so many different styles of animation yeah. that you can do. And they all use um, the same sort of underlying logic. Yeah. For sure. Like, uh, like it, there's still the principles. Yeah. Like, you know, you look at, like, um, you know, like Sanjuro's films, there's, there's still a lot of principles in order for it to actually be effective, you know? Absolutely. The timing and everything is, is, is really spot on. And I think it's just... Um, I think you just, like, enhance some elements more and sort of like maybe sort of remove the realism to some extent and but it kind of just like it, it all kind of you know kind of evens out i think you know 
which is I think we have talked about this one enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something something different. There's some though. fun some fun visuals to kind of like loop in the podcast. So <laughs> true that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of move on to um, Deja Vu by uh, Mind mm. Game. It's nice to see Zach finally uh, make a brawl entry that was actually on time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do really love like the look of the film. I get. I think is it because the the actual like the you have like the original set from the Ben Andy films, the old ones. Well, it's kind of um, the the bad day set. Yeah, it's been updated. The tree is fully grown, and then you got like the this the bit of sort of wider kind of like cityscape, and everything is is like modernized. And like I, I haven't, I think I've I haven't I haven't watched the Ben Andy for quite a while. I think I need to kind of like. We go back to them again but like i i really like how like um i am sort of reminded of like the old set conceptually i really like that idea of just going back to something but it's like like the time has passed in in real time you know yeah yeah the tree has grown it snuck a few of the uh architecture sets in the background there uh, i'm pretty sure they didn't exist in 2007 so well i mean it's Referencing a film from 2005. Oh, 2005, so. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> even further back. It definitely feels like I need to know that I, I when when I kind of watch. I think it's it Twin Twin Peaks. Mm, yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, David Lynch stuff in general. It's, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I mostly I guess of, some of the Twin Peaks stuff is yeah the closest point of reference. I feel like I'll get it a lot more once <laughs> I've <laughs> once I've like caught up on uh, like Twin Peaks and and that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's a lot of like. Uh, references to it if I'm yeah I, I mean wouldn't know I haven't seen that but I did go back and see his uh, previous videos with the, the characters and it made a bit more sense then yeah. so it, it ties into it, his own stuff it's not so much directly referencing Twin Peaks but yeah it's directly referencing the earliest Ben and Andy films so of course like when I watched this first you know I was just, I got it all straight away because I've been you know watching those <laughs> since like 2007 I forgot almost that like other people wouldn't wouldn't get it so much. I mean, don't get me wrong; it still worked the first time around when I had no context behind it. But um, even like ignoring any sort of questions about what it's referencing or whatnot, this is one of the tightest constructed entries. Like the editing, the pacing, the timing of everything, like between how the characters respond to each other with what they're saying, and like the sound design, especially. You know, it, it all just draws you in. All of those sort of elements that are harder to sort of quantify, I guess you could say. You know, there's, there's a lot going into this. And then the lighting as well. Really good. Yeah, I kind of love that totally nonplussed at, at okay sort of response. Yeah, when he yeah, says yeah, that yeah, exactly. weird yeah. pretentious line the about timing. the future and the past. You, just, you know, it waits just long enough. Like, it, it's all very particular. Perfect. That one. I think that is something as well, like, just like with, with Zach in general. Is like, he's such a great voice actor. That's true, too. Yeah, yeah so Zach's probably. Uh, if if I was to think of somebody who who's like really good at at all levels, you know, <laughs> Zach was probably the first name I think of. And like al- always has been as well. Yeah. Like, that's another thing as well. Like, you know, like there's plenty of big filmers who aren't who plenty of big filmers with great animation who might have as good sound design or mightn't have as good like construction of like visual storytelling or film language or you know any any of these sort of phrases we throw around, but like. It seems like Zach is just sort of even across the board. Like he's just really good at everything. Oh, and I really love the uh, the lighting of the the last scene, uh, especially the sun shining into the window and the, you got like the the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just that that set design is just is so 
immaculate and I just love that. It's one of those things, if you looked at it without any knowledge of brick filming or you know, set building or anything, you go, oh yeah, you know, that's just a room, isn't it? But no, no, actually achieving <laughs> that. That's true, yeah. Yeah. A lot more work goes into making something just look like a room. <laughs> yeah. For real, yeah. I mean, that's like something that I'm, I'm trying to think about more now is like when you look at like live action footage or like, like a room, you know, like during the day, like the outside looks really bright, you mm. know, and there's yeah. like, like the in the indoors by comparison is always quite dark that's something that you don't really you're starting to see a lot more in brick films nowadays but in the past you'd always have like very bright rooms and stuff yeah because you think that's how it should look you know once i started to try to actually think about lighting a brick film properly you know then i was just looking around in my house you know seeing if the light was coming in a window thinking to myself hmm you know like yeah, it looks it, the window looks really bright from inside, and the inside looks a lot darker in comparison. I was trying to look at how, you know, how how much does the light fall against the walls? Like where does it sort of, how far does it go before it trails off? You know, rather than just wanting to light everything even and flat. Um, perhaps we should move on to the fourth place. Uh, fourth place, the Return of Scooter Joe by, uh, Superman Jack, um, and uh, yeah, I mean. Again, another really short entry, but there's just so much to like unpack, and uh, there's so much to just like about it. Um, yeah, just like the the <laughs> the visuals, um, but like uh, the animation, and like I love the speed of the bike, kind of like sla- smashing mm-hmm. into the ground, and the physics of it is just is so good. The physics of the wheel um, bouncing away after it crashes is fantastic. It's yeah. a proper cartoony sort of video. They yeah. yeah. And it's like the brick built fire. That wouldn't necessarily work in every video, but in this one, it is the perfect choice. The way that he did it, it's, yeah, yeah. It is. I love how it goes. You know, it kind of tricks you into thinking it's going to have this like you know square aspect ratio, and it goes psych. <laughs> <laughs> it's not doing like <laughs> unlike the many of the other entries. <laughs> this one might provide a good example of what we were talking about with Sanjira's entry because, like, I really like that. There's that one shot where there's like a a speaker, and the speaker is just alternating oh, yeah. between two frames of just bigger and smaller to show that the sound is coming out but like it's particular about how it how it works and it's funny because it's just alternating between two frames but like clearly this is a guy who knows everything about the you know the principles of animation you can see that in all the other shots but like he he just wanted it to look like that because it's funnier looking and it works but you know you can see in like the, the wheel bouncing away or or yeah like the, the bike flying to the air and holding at the top at the top and stuff you know he knows what he's doing <laughs> But, but so you you have to know what you're doing to to choose when to go uh you know just alternate between two frames i think as well like the um the vfx like added to it do kind of yeah they, they add to it like oh, yeah. quite a lot like the speed lines yeah. yeah like you've got it um with the speaker and then you've also got it when the kind of the camera like zoom zooms in on his face and you know like um that's some some like creative editing that i think it enhances it i think yeah, really good distinctive look. Yeah, and and again, I really like the kind of playing around with the uh, the um, scale as well. You got that kind of wide shot. Um, yeah, and yeah. and the like, I'm watching again now, like frame by frame, like how perfectly it kind of it syncs up with like goes back straight to the um, you know the the normal scale, and it just like I don't know, it just it just mm. it just works so well, like the yeah, of that. Yeah. it's very impressive. I think like. The first time I watched it, I, I just kind of, you know, just watched it as a 
watched it without thinking about it, without thinking about how it's done and all. And I just didn't think about like the background. You know, when he's after he's crashed the bike and the background goes there's a couple of layers, like one of them is, you know, smaller scale stuff and then there's paper in the back. Or else when you see the, the T V at the start and it's like a, a big scale T V, you know, bigger than minifig scale. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, you got the micro scale, like, you got the macro scale, and you got the just a standard minifig scale for something as well. It's yeah. it's done very well. It all fits together nicely. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I feel like it, it flows very well and you're not just you're not distracted by the, the changing scales. I mean, okay, I guess the 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 sort of the micro scale bike flying through the air is meant to be intentionally funny. Oh, absolutely. You know, like the the way the sound design cuts out sells it. Yeah, you know or that music what it reminds me of. I don't know if you if uh, if you've seen the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. There's a shot in that when they're they're skiing, and it cuts to this very very obviously like fake like mm-hmm. shot of like. I don't know if it's like figures or something. It's very. Yeah, I know that there are a few sort of yeah comedic model shots yeah. in that. Yeah, I get the idea. Similar, similarly, like the the sound design kind of scales back, and it, yeah, it sells the, the the joke being like, yeah, this is a model. <laughs> but also, as well, what I really love about like um, the set design is like that the, there's like different layers of uh, like mountains and stuff. Like you've got um, the closest are like you know brick built, and then you've got like cards, and you know you've got different coloured card and stuff. Um, I guess kind of similar, I guess to to your entry. Um, the, you know, have using card and stuff, but like, there's like different. You know, you got Lego and then card, and then the, like the several different layers of it. Is uh, yeah, I'm gonna say really I nice think sort of attention. They managed to pull to it detail. off better in this one. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I say that well, I... in this one, it's kind of like you're not meant to see it. Whereas I feel like in in your one, it it's more like you are meant to to notice. Well, it. yeah, I mean that's. I <laughs> just to be clear. I I I like. I like both for like, and I think oh, yeah. they work both really well. I think. Um, yeah, I feel like they both work with with how they're doing it. Yeah, but yeah, I guess we should uh, move on to overdue. Mm-hmm. Overdue. So yeah, this one, this one is uh, is really interesting because um, I guess this is the first time that we've actually kind of like put together two films um, into one. I guess for like well, um, well. You know, yeah, there was a bit of a, a question. I, or I got the impression there was some discussion over, you know, how to judge this one. Like, is it two films or is it one? And it was kind of decided that, like, you couldn't possibly try and rank one above or below the other. Like, they're so intertwined uh, and, and, you know, made at, at clearly they have to, have to have been made at the same time on the same sets and. I'm not sure if some of the the shots are actually the same animation yeah, from I, um, two different camera angles. But I asked in the comments, and apparently, yeah, they had two cameras on some of the shots mm. to. Uh, so yeah, uh, with the globe going on in the background, and then him talking at the the librarian's desk in the foreground. That's ones like that. It's actually just two cameras following different characters. So it's a weird sort of grey area, but I I couldn't imagine trying to judge it as anything other than one film. Yeah, I feel like even if you even if you place like one next to the other it it would be like well, which one's better you know you, i feel like it, <laughs> you ha, you kind of had to put them together um but uh but no i i really like what what uh just like just on a you know conceptually i just think it's such a a really cool thing seeing and i've seen this done like i i, I think of it as being like <laughs> um i don't I, I imagine they they probably took that from other things but um there's that episode of The Simpsons, the Trilogy of Error, and um, there's also a Hoodwinked. Um, 
the two two things that come to come to mind for me when you have like these films where they're like the same story told through different perspectives and you kind of are picking up new things about it um at each mm. time um and i just love those kind of stories you're adding new context to something i don't know it's just it's it's not an easy thing to kind of come up with because you're having to like think about you know both stories at once when you're you know you're, you're doing it and um adding all these things that don't really make a lot of sense the first time around but then you just you know it all comes together you know i think it's quite fun to have people watching them in in different orders to see if they take away different things yeah. from it yeah and it, it's certainly cool to just first. to just throw on the playlist and then you know the first one ends and you think that's the end of the film but then the next one begins and you're like oh my god it's, it's the same film from a different perspective that's crazy <laughs> and i love the kind of like um the jokes that kind of uh come out of it like the fact because of like um because it's like in two parts and because you have to kind of watch it and know the full context for it to actually work there's a lot of jokes that that work really well because of it um you know like when uh from the perspective of the of the the guy in the bus is like oh no he stole he's stolen that kid's bike and then in the other version it's like oh no he's stolen that man's banana like <laughs> yeah i find that really funny i do like that yeah, that's also quite like yeah. The, everything apparently costs a hundred big ones. <laughs> Both of them end up spending money in it. So in an individual video, you go, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go, hang on a sec. What a scooter costs the same amount as a, an overdue library book. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's great. I do love that. I mean, I've seen that joke a few times in in like uh, brick films where it's like everything costs a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, but um, I also uh, the other the other gag I like is is that one when. Uh, he he pays the kids a hundred big ones for the bike, and then he just steals. <laughs> he just takes it from his hat and then buys the card. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yes, the set design in this is fantastic. Yeah, that library set, the outside and the inside, <laughs> both. Like that is very impressive. They put it together in the week, apparently. So really, <laughs> I was like, what you did two videos effectively, and you built all of this. Uh, mind blown. I absolutely would have assumed that it was just a set that they built just for the sake of it, like, beforehand. But, wow, it's really... Oh, yeah, I mean, that's what I would have assumed as well. Really impressive if that was put together in the week. And it's quite funny as well, because, like, it would have been Im impressive enough if that was just, like, you know, like, the only set or whatever, but, like, there's so many yeah. sets um, in the film, like, like um, in uh, Joshua Nelson's entry, you've got, like, the shot of the bus just, like, driving past the city and stuff. Um, like in the amount of buildings that are there in the background and stuff, I know, f like from, if that was me, that like, it, it sometimes takes me like a day to do just a couple of buildings. So, <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always quite difficult having a moving vehicle. They've got so much more set to build, and yeah, yeah. Well impressed with that. Yeah, it's certainly one of the things I'm slowest at is uh, finding the pieces and putting something together. Making a brick film, when especially when it's like big scale like that, it's eighty percent building the set and then twenty percent is the animation. You know? <laughs> but well, more like eighty percent building the set, fifteen percent setting up the shot, and then five percent animating. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, no, there's so much to to like to admire about. I think as well, like the yeah the library, it feels so kind of like complete, I guess. And you've got like not only is the inside really good, but the outside is good as well. Like you've got oh yeah yeah those statues at the yeah. front it's, yeah mm. i can only hope to make that and within a week yeah. 
I like small details. Whenever like anything in, in it, uh, something I really love about like set design in general is just like just adding little little bits, you know, for like background and and stuff. You've got those like those cards, and you've got like the carpet, the different books, and yeah. There's so much. I suppose the the alpha team were uh, using the library computers just off in the background, as you do. Yeah. One thing I did find a bit distracting was that like some of the lines of dialogue were like hard panned either left or right. I don't know if that was like a, a microphone thing or, or what, but like yeah, you I know, mean, I, I guess if people have a microphone that only records one channel, you know, you could just look in Audacity or else in your editing program of just converting the audio to mono. I know in in Vegas you can right click on the audio and you know find uh, combine audio channels and that 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 basically just converts it to mono. So then there's no yeah. I assume the rough edges are just obviously the the limited time scale and the amount they're trying to pull off. Yeah. Although I mean, okay, maybe maybe the stuff was panned intentionally because it's like following what sides of the frame it's on. And if that's the case, uh, I think it's good practice to only do that to a, a tiny percentage. You know, not not like full pan. Yeah, I find I normally top out about fifty percent. There's no more than that ever. Yeah. Hmm. But I um, why well, do like there's nothing to say about I guess going back onto like the concept side of things, um, I feel like it's kind of one of those sort of things where you feel as though the audience is kind of in a way rewarded by paying attention. If that makes sense, like hmm. like I guess like with the jokes and everything is like you know. I know it's it, it's just fun in that way. I think I don't know if that makes sense. Well, it is certainly nice oh, to yeah. have those jokes that like, you know, with this sort of split uh, storytelling, it's nice to use it with an actual purpose. So yeah, including those jokes where you you watch both and get new meaning from it. But yeah, they did a good, a good job of actually splitting the story between it. So obviously, in the the side where it's following the 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 guy who's being accused of murder. Uh, the only clip of the uh, the detective guy it shows is him washing his hands. So you know, from that video, you're entirely going, "He's the murderer. Mm-hmm. He, he's got blood on his hands." And then it flips over to the other one. You you watch that and go, "Oh wait, it's red paint for some reason." So there's lots of little clever things like that that make it work very well as a, a, a two part story. Yeah, they definitely lent into the concept. Sure. I also think it's quite. Um, there must have been some quite you know strategic kind of planning in terms of like when they actually released it because they you know they they ended up being exactly next to each other in the playlist and the playlist obviously is designed for um the order is is based on who who submission order yeah submission order so it could have so easily have been like there could have been some you know one sandwich in between you know like and that <laughs> would have been really annoying so yeah yeah well i guess you just got to make sure you you're you're right there. So like, as soon as one person says they've hit send, then then you hit send. Three, two, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, should we uh, head over to uh, second place? I guess, uh, Joko, you could probably uh, uh, introduce oh, it. Oh, which one's that? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, well, yes. Johnny Thunder and the Heart of Faber's Peak, which is a video by Joko, which is me. <laughs> And it came second place. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of blown away that people watch my videos, let alone that somehow I get ranked like this. So, uh, wow, thanks for for that, I guess, to the judges and, uh, well, yeah. I actually wasn't aware that this series went back to 2015, I think. Yeah, I sort of made all my videos kind of connected. 
I mean, I've got way more ideas than I have videos that have been released. So it's a case of maybe someday it will make sense and tie together the. But until such a point, you know, it's the same characters. Yeah, the voices are good, I think, throughout. The kid, yeah, 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 the voice actors did a really great funny. job. Big shout out to them. And I, uh, obviously, I wrote most of the lines, but for Johnny Thunder, when he just exclaims random things, uh, that that was all I like, coming out with it. Just shouts boomerang randomly, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's probably uh, not going to look good to most Australians, but, <laughs> but I, I do like yeah when he's sort of just mumbling random stuff at like whatever he's doing, he's just sort of narrating. Uh, but yeah, it's nice. It's always nice to see a, a classic like Johnny Thunder adventure rig film. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised we didn't get so many this year. They often do crop up again and again. Yeah, yeah. true. Of course, as time goes on, you're going to have less active people who feel a connection to you know, old adventures Lego. It's already heading towards twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it's in any way similar to Sajira's entry, but um, in terms of like the pacing and the the energy, I feel like um, there's some sort of I, I felt kind of similar vibes in, in that way. Like there's so much packed in um, in such a short one time um, and I really like that about it. Yeah, I always find that a, a really difficult balance to make because, you know, I've got a limited time to make it in, but I've got to try and get the pacing just about right that, uh, that it all makes sense and that the jokes land well. Yeah, because I mean, even even if something is like less than two minutes long, it can, there is the potential still for you know, like a film to drag and, and not have like particularly sort of great pacing and I think um, to do something like that you know it's like I don't know to have that much that amount of energy um, is uh, I think that's a great thing to kind of like try and nail you know yeah I mean the voice actors really bring a lot to that I'm, I'm so pleased with how that all turned out but yeah the, Cause the quick pace works really nicely they bring the energy and then you, you can animate them, them doing all the crazy things but, but if everyone's sounding completely deadpan it, it would never have worked true that's, that's true that is very true. I can imagine it going, you know, to the point where it's like the the voice actors really didn't go with like the intentions, you know. But yeah, for a for a sort of comedic like fun film like this, the the fast pace is really good, and I feel like it's something that I I struggled with for a long time was this weird feeling of like oh I have to leave space you know between things or at the start and ends of shots or whatever or else it's going to go by too fast and people won't pick up on the things. But then as I'm actually watching other people's break films, I do pick up on stuff that moves fast and I, and I like the pace. So I've been trying to sort of break out of bad habits for a, a while now. Well, yeah, I've been approaching that from the other angle. <laughs> keep it just about slow enough to understand. <laughs> Cut it down. But uh, yeah, I think that's how it ends up. So, so what so was the lighting setup like for the, the, the darker shots? Because it's a really nice, like, you know, subtle, bright rim light I guess you could yeah say. that was quite hard to achieve I had a, a really big bright light which I I raised up on a, a slightly precarious stack of, uh, of chairs and tables and books and things because I'd run out of proper stands and uh, and that was quite far away but bright mm. and then obviously I had the for the first time some little LEDs right in the set to uh, to bring out the like the, the glowing uh, monster and uh, and like the the fire in the air balloon and stuff like that so it was like the camera since this is, D this is your first DSLR film is it? Uh, I've got the DSLR uh, just right at the end of last year and I've only just started getting the confidence to use it so much so my first one which was fully with DSLR was in fact uh, Brick 3024 okay. or 3024 however 
would actually be pronounced. But this one, yeah, I, I was trying to push what I could do with it, trying to keep the the active camera while uh, using a DSLR. Yeah, uh, but, but I'm guessing it must have been like closed aperture combined with super bright light. Uh, yeah, I, I did keep having to mess around with different things. I ended up building the sets basically with the camera constantly set up to work out exactly how I could could fit the background in and uh, and keep it light enough and stuff. I think the mm. lighting, um, especially when he's in the cave, you know, the monster is just so it's so good. I really love that, like what you did with the you know the the lights of like you know the the eyes and the the sort of the jewel, you know. Yeah, I'm really pleased with how that one came out. There's uh, some things I look at in the the above ground stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, if I had more time, I'd have done a lot of different things with the like color correction and stuff. But with the cave, yeah, that that turned out exactly how I imagined it in my head. And so did great. you like with that? Did you have like um, because there's there is like a isn't there, like a spotlight on Johnny Thunder, isn't there? Like because it's he's quite bright. Yeah, there's a spotlight coming down from above, and I'd uh, masked out just with with a bit of card to make it go up right to the edge so it didn't light up the, the bionicle very much at all. And uh, so the bionicle was mostly just lit from his inner glowing eyes and, and the gem. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's always impressive in a brick film when there's a sense of like vertical space. Like the fact that he goes from, you know, the balloon up in the sky and then way down into the cave. And there's that, there's that nice shot where it's like the camera moves to looking down, looking at the top of his hat and he just, he keeps going down further. Yeah. I'm surprised that came out so well. I, I kept because obviously I had a very limited sized backdrop that was black, mm -hmm. it was a big black blanket basically. So I, I tried all the different tricks of moving the camera around a little bit, moving him around a bit, and it still got the sense of him falling downwards. Luckily, I, I did pull a few bricks up in front of the screen to make it look like the the rocks were going past him, and uh, yeah, I think that helped sell it. Yeah, yeah. To keep, keep it was only until I put it frame. into the software and took it for the, the final view through that I I could see that it really all fit together properly. Yeah, certainly that sequence is great. I really like the physics of, uh, you know, Johnny Thunder when he's climbing around and the swinging on the rope and everything. It's all really well. It's, it's, it's all very well done. You know? Yeah, There's a shot near the end where the, the claw, like, c comes out and it's, like, sort of, like, you know, trying to grab him. That really stood out to me as well. Uh, I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I think I, I ended up doing that shot on the, the last morning of the... The animation I was like, I, I do not want to cut this. This shot needs to happen, and I'm so glad I managed to include it. I was, I was going to have a bit more of the destruction of the mountain surrounding him, but but I think it turned out pretty well pacing wise. The, the amount I, I included. Yeah, certainly a lot packed into a short runtime. <laughs> In terms of like the the tone and the pacing, it kind of reminds me of those one of those sort of like classic Lego Studio um, kind of films, you know. I guess actually maybe part of that is because of Johnny Thunder and stuff, but like it reminds me of one of those sort of films that Lego would have made themselves, you know? Oh, that's always, that's always good then, I yeah. guess. Perhaps we must talk about the first place entry. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yeah, the, the track attracts, um, which is uh, by me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know how to actually start, really. <laughs> what were the main influences behind this film? Because it's it's... To, in my mind, it's unlike uh, the sort of general construction of brick films. It seems more based in like film films. Yeah, actually, that's good. that's a really good way of starting it. Actually, um, so because in the past, I've always I've talked about like um, on um, 
like you know in previous ball entries of talking about like my influences in with brick films but this time i really didn't take too many influences from brick films i was taking more influences from like films and tv uh tv stuff i've, I've seen and um my biggest influences were shows like um better call soul and breaking bad mostly i guess on a conceptual level within the world of like breaking bad you have um these this like this guy who will uh you know, you just phone him up and he'll kind of like um, sort of send you off and basically uh, he'll give you like a, a fake identity and, and sort of uh, send you sort of far off into like um, thousands of miles away um, where you'll never be never be found if you're on the loose or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that kind of, uh, that was sort of a big inspiration for me in terms of like from a conceptual level. And... Uh, yeah, I guess that was probably like one of my main influences. Um, it, I, in terms of like the visuals and the way it was done, I was also quite, you know inspired by like, it's particularly like Better Call Saul. Um, there's uh, these sequences um, in the beginning of like each season, where you have him like it's like set like in the present when Better Call Saul is like is like a prequel to Bra- uh, to Breaking Bad, whereas like the the opening sequences of the seasons are like set in like the present. And you see that he's like got this like um, fake identity where he's like hiding from his past life, and he's constantly like aware of like people watching him, and he's always like in fear of like being found. Being found, and um, they always use kind of like classic kind of nineteen forties fifties kind of music, and again that was also a big influence um, for like the uh, um, the music choices, which is kind of a big part of the of the film. In terms of when I was coming up with the story, I really liked the idea of having someone who, basically examining this this way of like, so you've got this guy who, he, you know, he, he used to be a, like a hitman, you know, like a mercenary, like, um, how could I show that he's basically the same person that he was before, like, you know, he's, he's still killing for money, and I, I really like the idea of him being like this hunter that, and, you know, going to sort of a flashback of showing like, you know, he's basically doing the same thing. Uh, you know, he's like, he's the same person, even though he's like, you know, trying to live this like other identity and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, again, I feel like I might have mentioned this with some of the previous entries, like what really stands out is the the editing and the pacing and the framing. And just like, it's like a whole bunch of qualities and the sound design, a whole bunch of qualities all at once coming together to just make this nice, cohesive whole film thank you yeah. yeah i was going to say the cinematography on this one is it you can you can see it's inspired by actual sort of shows and films is rather than brick films because it really takes a, a more cinematic sort of look to it there's definitely a, a lot of intention behind it I, I think yeah yeah actually that's another thing as well um another influence which i think was actually kind of subconscious because i was just watching a video the other day about um, I think it's Better Call Saul, the way that there were like certain sequences that would that kind of just like don't really show a whole lot, but they'll just show like the like, character going through. Like there's, I think there's one sequence in where you got one of the characters and his car has been um, it's got like a, a tracker on it, and you spend like almost a whole episode him just sort of like dismantling his car, trying to find um, you know the device that's that's been tracking him. And then you see when he when he gets it, he then like you know breaks it apart, and he's looking, he's examining 
the the device and everything. And there's all this kind of stuff which usually would be like a five minute sequence. You know, you just like show a very basically, oh yeah, he's he dismantles the car, he finds it. But instead, you you go through that character's journey of kind of like going through these things that, that seem quite mundane, but they just add so much. You really feel like you're you're there with the character, if that makes sense. And it really it really adds so much to it. And I guess that is something that I was sort of subconsciously thinking about in terms of like the pacing of the film. There is actually a, a relatively slow pace and a lot of it is quite atmospheric. Um, I wanted to show things that like the stuff like, you know, he goes to the, the store and you see um, the guy kind of like, you know, giving him the money and stuff. And the way like that kind of stuff, I felt like it. Um, like I could, you could have just like not shown that, but I feel like, I don't know. It, I just, it, I felt like it added to it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking for like just having him step back from the uh, the wall and then look up at it. I wouldn't necessarily have thought to include that step back to begin with, but but that little extra bit, it, it gives it room to breathe and it, it really fits the the pace and tone. Yeah, and of course, uh, telling the story visually, you know, without dialogue, and largely through just how how the shots are framed, etc. And not having to do it through like highly expressive animation. It, it, it's all very good practice for brawl or for tech. <laughs> or, you know, sometimes cutting back to a, a further away shot and like, it's just the sound effects tell you what's happening. Yeah. You know, pe- I... people, people could take notes from this. <laughs> that was definitely something that I was thinking about. Uh, like the sound design. I really wanted to make sure that I had like a day of um, like editing because I, I I felt like I knew that the sound design was going to be a really important element to it especially if it's something that is like there's no dialogue at all and it's all very much based on atmosphere and quite you know kind of slow paced kind of stuff and I really was thinking like without like good sound design that really wouldn't have you know sell it at all mm-hmm. and um, yeah I was definitely thinking about that when I was I was doing it like everything had to have a, you know some sort of sound you know yeah, and that definitely adds to it. It's like the, the cutaways to the uh, the birds flapping across the woods. How do you actually animate these birds? They, they seem to like move their uh, their wings. Yeah, so that's actually with uh, again another another I guess a uh, uh, use of of tack. Um, it was just um, yeah, basically just that. I, I just I I wanted originally to to have like um, the cheese slope pieces in white. Um, and that was my original plan, but it looks really bulky, especially because mm. they're like small birds. So at first, I just put the tack on there, and I was about to add the. I did try and add the slopes, but they kept falling falling off. And then I was just thinking to myself, actually, I don't actually need those slopes. I could just use tack, and yeah, that's what I ended up just using then. Ah, uh, right, it's really good. Yeah, because that works really well in that context. Because you don't want it to look humorous in that shot, and uh, and yeah, it, it just blended in yeah, nicely it blend. and made it feel like sort of natural. Yeah, I didn't even didn't even think about it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I mean that was another thing as well. Like, um, I uh, I think I'm, I, I was I was like alluding to this earlier, but like, um, there were definitely parts as I was kind of like coming up with the the kind of story and everything. Certain scenes I had in my head that I was just like really excited to to do. Like, I think the the there was the you know the flashback when you've got the you know you cut back to him and he's he's a uh, about to shoot that guy and it cuts right back to like the present and you just hear the gunshot of the you know and you, you get the the idea that he's he shot the deer um that kind of stuff i was just i was just 
and you know it, it cuts sort of straight from the past back to the present but it's like the same thing you know, like a match cut hmm. that was another thing i was really excited about doing and again i guess there was also uh something that i was thinking about i think you i think it's something that you mentioned in the, the podcast with uh with chris um before this was uh creative use of i guess not showing uh, like gore or anything and I think oh, especially yeah. with like, well, you know, you can't really show too much. And there's a lot in this that is kind of graphic if I actually showed it. Like I, I knew I'd, yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't want to show like a deer being shot and I didn't want to show him being eaten alive by a wolf. Um, but I think cutting yeah. away to like the trees and you've got this like wide shot. Yeah. Um, I think that that makes it a lot more, you know, you have this graphic uh, idea in your head, you know. And I think... But of course, um, I also like thought that the the two times it happens it cuts to you know a similar sort of wide shot with one tree on the left side so it's it was like again like a bit of a match cut that as if at the end to suggest the hunter has become the hunted yeah so there's like there's more to it than if you just saw him getting attacked as well another thing that i was thinking about like in the very beginning is that i i i i hint at like the death like straight away because i show um the the stuffed wolf um in the very beginning and then i show the bear trap um and at first i mean what i really liked about that it, i i didn't want it to be obvious that what i was actually doing at that point you know because it, it yeah. serves great use of Chekhov's gun there yeah it, it, oh, thank you it wasn't too in your face but it when you look back yeah ah, yes of course it's all set up yeah because it, it does serve the purpose of like setting up who he is as a character before like obviously like oh yeah you know this is how he's gonna die you know you get the oh yeah so he hunts animals and mm-hmm. oh yeah like there's like the, the trap you know but yeah, then that's a good way of doing it where where you think you've gotten the the meaning but then it turns out later there's an additional so that something else was being set up that you didn't even think about yeah that's, that's the best way of doing yeah. it. yeah i mean i i did actually originally toy with the idea of like um having the shot of like the mob like sort of like catch up with him and they're the ones that kill him but like you know theming wise it i felt like it, it, it was so much better having it like it was the it was actually the animals to get him you know <laughs> yeah yeah hoisted by his own patel yeah exactly yeah it definitely it, it definitely improved the message that was a, a very good choice a very strong ending but um oh yeah another thing that i did because I, I i kind of like um go between um, the the sixth frame walk cycle and the the four frame walk cycle. Um, I definitely think that um, the the sixth frame walk cycle works a lot better for like slow you know like slow scenes when he's like walking slowly and stuff. And with the um, with the four frame walk cycle, I I deliberately used it when he was like trying to walk quickly away from the um, the trackers um, and. There is that. There's a shot where he's walking past, and you've got like um, somebody else walking, and she's she's walking on the six frame walk cycle, but he's walking on the four frame walk cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of doing that, you know. Yeah, these these are the things that <laughs> we just... we think about when making the films. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah, else. They just all look the same. That. They've got their own character animation to them, basically. Yeah. But yeah, just just looking back at that shot now, I can see what you mean. Like. Yeah, he has a more hurried walk, which obviously suits what's going on. I guess another thing as well that I really liked about making this film, doing it in the in the four three, I think it added a lot to to the visuals. But it also saved me 
quite a lot of time in terms of like set design because I was looking at the clear like the 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 sort of like raw kind of image on Dragonframe. Oh, okay, so there's another thing as well. This is like my first brick film in Dragonframe as well. Has you done much testing with that beforehand, or is it? No, like literally, um, I literally I may have done like one or two tests, but this was like basically the first thing that I jumping straight into Brawl. Um, but I actually found it really, uh, really user friendly and and just easy, um, to use. And I had I had the remote control as well, which um, just made it so much nicer. I just I really enjoyed using the remote control. But yeah, looking at the kind of like raw images, um, you know, they're all at sixteen by nine. And it's really funny seeing like the um, what's like beyond the frame, and you can see like yeah, where the, the like the lighting ends and the set kind of ends and stuff. And it's like, I think it it saves me quite a lot of time being able to just frame it, you know, that much smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But of course, sometimes it works the other way. If you're shooting something that's more of a a tall image, it, it can save you time if you're doing it, you know, widescreen. Yeah, yeah that's this true. is the thing. Where I was I was torn between going 16 by 9 or 4 by 3 because obviously at the beginning and end of mine you, you've got a wide open shot of the, the landscape but obviously if you went a bit you, you'd lose that if you went to 4 by 3 but the rest of it when it's just in the balloon or whatever maybe it would work best at 4 by 3 so it's, it's something I haven't really thought about before now And uh, but yeah obviously seeing lots of entries including yours it, it, it definitely makes sense to, to think about your aspect ratio don't just settle on the standard 16 by 9 yeah i think for like for your film i think it works really well being in 16 by 9 because you've got like shots like that wide with the you know the, at the beginning and the end you know with the, the hot air balloon i think i feel like actually it works really well um in wide because it just like adds to the scale yeah that's my final decision because it, i really have struggled to get the the set tall enough to to make this hot air balloon still look really small and You've got to zoom out as far as possible to make it look like look seas against all these mountains, and uh, uh, yeah, the, the wide shot worked better for that in the end. But uh, it's definitely something to think about in the future. Yeah, yeah. there's certainly a noticeable trend in the the brawl playlist. You know, is m- remarking on how many of them were four by three. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to see people thinking about that. Yeah, I feel like there was a we've gone beyond that point now where you know the four by three. Oh, that's the old way of doing mm. it. You know, because I think even. Even up until recently, I think it's been seen as being like, oh yeah, that's like the old like, is it yeah, four eighty p, you know, kind of like <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah. Um, We've moved enough beyond that in in time now that I, I guess it can become more of a, a stylistic yeah. change. So what's going to be interesting is uh, with, with this whole more vertical video in some cases, whether people manage to pull that off in a in a convincing way. Yeah, I wonder what what will be the first contest entry we get in a vertical aspect ratio, because. <laughs> <laughs> But again, that doesn't work so well on, on standard monitors, obviously. I think that sometimes we, I guess we do, we always associate that with like social media and like TikTok and stuff. I guess that's the main reason why like maybe not many, not as many people are doing it because it, it it doesn't it we we kind of like immediately think it's like not cinematic in a way. I don't know, but I can see that becoming something actually. Yeah, it'd be quite niche. Obviously, it'd have to be where framing actually makes yeah. sense for. A but like you'd ha- then it like the, they'd be shot. really tall, you know, like the the frame. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure it's some somebody could put thought into it, you know, find a use for it where it made logical sense or it enhanced like what they were actually going for with the style. See, that needs to happen in manifest. Yeah, there's a good idea. If anybody wants to make a last minute entry, actually, well, actually, I don't even know if this will come out in time for people to make a last minute entry. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing. Is like with like uh, Sanjiro, like 
he plays around a lot with aspect ratios, um, including um, you know his entry in Brawl, where like they, it's kind of done in a different kind of way, the the aspect ratio. And I know, I, I I I think I have heard him say like he he never wants to film in sixteen by nine again. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> so, yeah. but um, I would say that four three is really good for like close up shots. I really like yeah. what um, sort of profile like you know like um, uh, shots of like. Uh, people uh, and how it looks and yeah, stuff sure. like the the fireplace probably wouldn't have worked quite as well if it was in 16 by 9 yeah i think we're, we're we're beyond the point of people just thinking it as an old and inherently outdated and now they're starting to realize that you can use it to frame things it, it just gives it a different feel and on the flip side you get even wider frames like some uh, cinematic things oh yeah uh, obviously that'd be using very specific instances again but but yeah, it'd be nice to actually see that being something that's actually used in your animator's arsenal to, mm-hmm. to make a choice on that. I guess many years ago, the people who were going for a cinematic look sometimes would use like 235.1 or something. Uh, it, you know, it seems like people are pushing the other way nowadays. Just to kind of like say one more thing about my film. Um, I don't know how easy it is to actually kind of like explain, but um, I had this sort of um, way of like actually um, animating it where I would kind of do the same action multiple times um basically what i would do is um i was kind of like influenced by like live action and how they you know how you sort of film things in that way where i wouldn't like directly animate like the entire scene like do like a master shot or anything like that but um for like the scene with um in the store when the shop owner looks back at him and stuff like that and nods i think i did that both in like a wide and I did that like in his um, in his like uh, close up shot, um, and I've just basically I I do it so that I'd animate like the last action of 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 one shot would be the first action of like the next shot. So you can make the choice of exactly where you cut later when you you had all the footage. Yeah, um, another 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 example was then you got the the side shot of of the the shop owner, and uh, I actually animated the entire action of him like they you know he kind of picks up the notes and he kind of like gestures at you like. Yeah, towards him I did that entire shot and then I just sort of like and then I did the the same shot again in the close-up of the note and I just I could then sort of pick the exact frame where I wanted to go and what I really mm-hmm. like to do in uh, as an editor I'm always thinking like is like um, I like uh, cutting in in like you know mid-action you know because I think there's a way of like when you edit like mid-action in between it so it blends better yeah it kind of just like there's like the perfect frame you yeah, know, in between, I where agree. you kind of just it just works properly, and I wanted to kind of do that like in brick film form, <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. And yeah, I feel like most brick filmers, you know, for for a long time are always on that sort of like the shot starts, the action starts, the action ends, the shot ends, repeat. Yeah, yeah. In general, it is probably better to try and take a few frames at the beginning and end of each shot that you you could cut if needs be just to leave that extra leeway. yeah i think as well like um just being able to add i mean this is just uh, something that i just think in general like you know you end an action you should always add an extra frame just in case you could loop those two you know like frames mm-hmm. um, yeah i do that and just drag uh like a, a, you know just like the pacing just so that it's it flows better you know because you never know when something is too quick you know it's a bit harder when you've got a moving background <laughs> Yeah, true. I was, I was counting the minutes on, on my last my last shot. Obviously, I had to move all the mountains with it. It's like oh, I want it a bit longer. This uh, this takes time. I'm actually working on um, a uh, 
a recreation of um, Toy Story 2. Well, actually, I've, I have finished animating it now. And uh, I was... Uh, it's like this big collaboration. And um, I had... I animated the um, the scene where the, the traffic cones are walking past um, the, the street. Um, and um, there was a, a shot where I had to pan and also animate, like, six cones and also, like, traffic all at once. And uh, that was such a... Oh, that was really exhausting. It took me about four hours to animate, like, two seconds of animation. Yeah, it does get like that. And it's like... And I always find... You've got to move the things before you move the camera, otherwise you forget. You haven't necessarily noticed one of them's moved, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, it's so, it's so annoying. And, like... So much to keep track and of. And, like, I, I remember as well, it's like, you have the... You know, the, the, the shot is, like right in the middle of the road so the cars are having to kind of like just like appear but you've got to make sure that the cars don't sort of show up too too early because that means that they're going to like reach the cones before the end of the shot and you've got to make sure that yeah it's the planning ahead as well (laughs) yeah so that was a real a nightmare to do but recreating a scene from a film is probably a good way to study the editing of a film yeah actually that is true um again you know, you kind of sort of see how, like, it, it cuts in between actions and all that kind of stuff. And it also helps as well with um, how, you know, how you animate um, things outside of, like, a brick film influence. Mm. Um, there was a shot that I did with uh, the car, like, a car crashing into another car. And they're kind of, like, going sort of back backwards. And it's quite a hard thing to actually animate. And you have to really kind of study like the reference reference footage really well to kind of like frame by frame to kind of like be able to pick it up. And also like cars like um, sort of drifting is another thing that's actually really hard to do well. Um, So having that like using that kind of uh, the original footage as a reference and not really thinking about like, oh, other brick film examples and stuff allows you to kind of expand, I guess, in a way, you know. Yeah, that's good because then obviously you can you can take that that you found and basing it on the exact footage and use that in other animations uh, out of context and you've just expanded your repertoire of sort of actions you can faithfully reproduce I'm kind of yeah. thinking um, I'm looking at the time now of the recording yeah <laughs> oh god <laughs> send that late perhaps we should um, think about wrapping things up yeah I guess so I mean um, like I always say uh, it's been such a, a great chat and um you can very easily lose track of like the amount of time that we've been talking and mm-hmm. you know just keep going um and i'm not just saying that because i'm talking about my film I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but of course yeah it, it is very easy to talk a lot about your own film <laughs> i think especially oh, when yeah. you've got like more than one person uh, like film you know you're talking not just about your own film but like oh, yeah. somebody else so it's it's bound to kind of like you know you end up talking about Spiral. like you know minute details and stuff and for sure but uh, but no, yeah. Thank you so much for for joining us. This has been a really great conversation. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Yes. I obviously I, I've seen the podcast while I've been animating before, and I never really thought I'd actually be the one on it. So it's <laughs> an interesting side of things. I think you've been on our radar radar for quite a long time in terms of like guests. So yeah, it's great to finally have an opportunity to talk to you. Well, it's been good. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the manifest entry. So am I. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone. It's, it's going to be quite an interesting list of ventries I certainly sure. hope so I mean we're, we're both judges which is actually quite funny as well oh, yeah. 
Right. I'll, I'll hand you this uh, mysterious piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for coming on. See you around. Bye.